It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow. It's still real to me, damn it. The Lapsed Fan. In all my years in professional wrestling, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, my God. Exclusively at WrestleZone.com. And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast right here and now at WrestleZone.com. Another week before us, another deep dive into your WWE Network Archive. Jack and Canarcio, J.P. Sorrow. Holler, holler, I am excited about this one. Because on this Wednesday at WrestleZone, it's mm-hmm. this Tuesday in Texas. Yes! 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 This, this show has so much meaning for me mm. and it, it 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 happened literally um the tuesday after i started watching wrestling week to week wow that is so, to say of course the 1991 survivor series after that this took place six days after the 91 Survivor yes. series so i watched i started i started watching wrestling the Sunday after Survivor Series. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yep. And um, right, and, so it was midweek. It was yeah. not a Sunday night pay per view. Right. It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Thanks. The Thanksgiving Eve tradition. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you heard that right. Yes. In 1991, the WWF experimented with the idea of kind of cut rate, half as long, Tuesday night pay per views for like twenty dollars compared to the thirty. I think it cost. For the full yeah. pay-per-view shows, and uh, needless to say, boss man, it was a failed experiment because it, they would not try it again until 2005. No, 1995. Oh, oh, oh weekday, weekday, weekday. Weekday. That is to say, Tuesday night. I got gotcha. you. Um, uh, the wh- what was the whole story behind that? I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm curious. I'm curious about two things. Number one. Who had the idea? What was the point of doing these weekday, uh, in-your-house style pay-per-views? And then, whose dumb idea mm. was it to have it only six days after a major pay-per-view? I would have thought they would want to wait an, a, a couple more weeks just to... People aren't going to fork over that kind of money, yeah. even if it's a cheaper show. If they just put down thirty dollars on Survivor Series, they're probably not going to want to put down fifteen or twenty dollars six days later for another show. It was an interesting time in pay-per-view. Yeah. Folks were bullish on its future. This is before much besides boxing and wrestling was tried successfully on pay-per-view. Do you okay. know that the nineteen ninety-two Olympics were made available on pay-per-view? Get out! And everyone thought it was going to be a huge success. In fact, it's such a colossal failure that there's an entire Wikipedia entry about the failure of the 1992 Olympic Games on pay-per-view. It was called, like, Triple Action. So what you basically did was you bought the live feed of the Olympics. Pretty much commentary and frills free, but you could see it live as it took place from Barcelona, Spain. I gotta, I gotta read that article. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I had no clue about that. People thought the potential was endless for pay television. It was still a new frontier. And with that going on, the thought was, let's see how much more of the action we can capture since we at the WWF and in pro wrestling in general, with the exception of massive boxing matches, own and define the pay-per-view world. So, sure, sure. At the time, WCW was doing a 10-event schedule for 1991. Um, I what? believe 11, yeah. Um, if you include... Um, a taped pay-per-view show, 
from the uh, fr- from the Egg Dome, the Tokyo Egg Dome, which was a fake oh, sure. show. Excuse sure. me, eight pay per view shows um, in twenty excuse, twenty nineteen ninety one, <laughs> uh, and uh, if you include the Egg Dome and four clashes, so um, you know pretty much an event every month. And sure, sure. WWF thought, let's try it. Let's see if we if we charge a little less, can bring people over to see the rematch because of course the conclusion. Of the 19, the shocking conclusion of the 1999 Survivor Series saw the Undertaker dethrone Hulk Hogan and take his WWF title. Again, though, it just seems odd to do it that soon after. Why not wait a month? I mean, they were already in December when this show aired. It happened. What was it? December 3rd of 1991. Why not just wait? Why not go go right before Christmas or something and Mm -hmm. and give the time? I appreciate the idea and the effort, and it's a shame because it, it is. I think a great show. Yeah. For 90 minutes, it's a pretty jam-packed effort. Um especially uh, in retrospect, people hated the event at the time though because they felt oh. like you said that they were just being bled for money. Like it was yeah. greed, it was graft. It's like because a lot of the stuff on the show frankly is are angles designed to build further interest. They're not necessarily right. conclusions. Right. And and in today's world that happens literally every month. Right. But back then I kind of understand, which again leads me to wonder why they wouldn't let it go a little bit longer and kind of have it sandwiched more in between the Royal Rumble and the Survivor Series. I believe the thought was that you have the lightning in a bottle. You have a really hot angle with Rick Flair sure. costing Hogan the belt, and you come right back sure. with the rematch. You, you know, you have that. You, you you can capitalize on on the existing heat. You don't have to build the heat all over again. The the, yeah. the, the heat. The um, build the anticipation all over again through right. another cycle of TVs. You just come right back. It was worth a I try, suppose. but sure. uh, it, it ended up doing about in the range of what WCW's pay per views were doing at that point in time, which was hardly out of the park, hardly home runs. Um, for example, the 91 Survivor Series did um, a 1.8, between a 1.8 and 2.2% buy rate. Now, at the time, they used to do buy rates wow. based on, yeah, that's how they calculated it, based on, you know, the buy rate is essentially the percentage of homes that could have ordered the show. This is the percentage that actually did. And uh, Tuesday in Texas did a 1.0 compared to the, uh, the I'd say about the 2.0 that Survivor Series did. So about half the business, um, mm. And when you factored out what the cable companies took in, Survivor Series sure. uh, took did about eight million dollars, and this show did um, two to two point one million. And it was a small crowd too. It was what eight thousand. It was eight thousand in a building that I believe only held that many. It was a sellout at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. However, mm-hmm. did not stop Gorilla Monsoon from saying it's a capacity twenty thousand crowd. <laughs> you know, eight times well, three. Hey, what the add, hell? Add, add, add. Add more than uh, uh, double your 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 capacity. That's this fine. triple in no Texas. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. Well, everything's bigger in Texas. We found that out. Now, let me ask you this: yeah. Why is it? Why not just Tuesday in Texas? Why this Tuesday in Texas? Did they really? <laughs> did they really think we thought it was last Tuesday in Texas? Well, I was actually confused at the time. I thought it was next Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> right here I am but thinking I got the night off. I I I I, I bought a show. I bought a show and it was the wrong one. The damn so, Olympics. Ro- it was real wrestling. <laughs> That's right. And I'm, I was so disappointed. I wanted my fake sports. Yes, and you got it. But, oh, well. December 3rd, 1991. Now, um, yeah. I just want to say, I, I remember, again, uh, uh, my nostalgia factor with this show is very, very deep. And I remember seeing 
all American wrestling the Sunday after this, and they replayed the Savage Roberts match in entirety. My goodness. Um, the following, following week. Uh, and cause it was, it's that hot of a match. I mean, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't, if you haven't seen this show, I, I think you should go out of your way to, to look at it. It's, Couldn't it's agree just more. unique. It's interesting. It's, it's different. I mean, what uh, a piece of business yep. this is. And, and this specific match and angle is it's, it, it's, it's out of this world. Yes. It, it's it's a totally different it, it it's not a great match and we'll get to it when we get there i have a whole spiel yeah. on it so don't worry but it's not necessarily what we would consider a great technical wrestling match it's it is non-stop action without a doubt mm-hmm. but the emotion oh. the emotion that these two guys were able to evoke Phew. and and prov- provoke out of the live crowd and the people watching at home is something I, I've never seen its equal except maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of that, like Steve Austin in his prime in 98, 99, that kind of stuff where Austin could just really, yeah, you, you were rooting for him and you were so behind him that everything he did was gold. This had that feeling to it mm-hmm. um and a funny little bit i i actually had to walk away from when i was a kid so i was i think i was uh, 10 years old and i actually had to walk away from the tv set because what they were doing i was so scared and oh i was so convinced that it was real that i had to walk away because i thought jake was going to kill savage at some point Yes, yes, that he would not you stop know, until yep. Randy Savage flatlined in yep. the middle of the Freeman yep. Coliseum. Exactly. I, mean, I, I, I was totally convinced of that. Listen to me. This is some of the most gripping television mm-hmm. the World Wrestling Federation has ever produced. And it, it, what's so funny is, I mean, obviously because, like you said, the show itself was a commercial flop yep. and a bomb that they – um. It was so hard to find. This this show was not released on traditional VHS cassette when, um, when whenever they did, they kind of put it in. Uh, it was on the um, super the collection, tape. yeah, super tape ninety two, yeah, and it was just kind of thrown in there. You know, they had other stuff. They had a right. profile on Ric Flair or IRS or something, and they had all those other um, feature matches that they used to do on their compilation videos and so this was just kind of thrown in there they had the whole event in its entirety well, it's a 90 but minute it was event, just so yeah yeah but they so they had another you know what do they do with those videos like two two and a half hours or Something so like that so they just kind of throw in some extra stuff around it and and have this sandwich in between it was just thrown away and i couldn't find the super tape 92 um uh cassette Mm. forever i i I looked for it forever because i wanted to see this tuesday in texas again after seeing just the bit part that i did on on all american wrestling um now on all american did they show jake striking elizabeth Mm -hmm. oh they showed the whole they showed the whole thing it changed i mean again i'll get onto it later Mm -hmm. it's only the second match in the show we'll be there soon well not knowing us we won't be there in for the next hour but right um uh it, it it in in it already changed my perspective of wrestling. Yes. This match, this match, that angle, 
changed how I looked at professional wrestling. It, it, it broadened your sense of how severe things could get. Oh, yeah. It made you think oh, like, yeah. wait a minute, there are actually, I didn't realize this, but there are actually lines that nobody crosses on a wrestling mm-hmm. show and wrestling mm-hmm. angles that just got crossed. Yep. And you can hear blood-curdling screams from women in the audience yeah. when Jake Roberts is up to his antics. Oh, yeah. And look, by the way, and we're going to talk about it like you said, I just credited WWF for producing some of its best stuff. Listen, yep. Jake Roberts. Jake mm-hmm. Roberts mm-hmm. is the one Jake, who hits the home run. Jake Roberts. Oh, my God. Roberts. How good can it's, a man be uh, at being a pro wrestler? You know what I mean? Like being that that unique blend of showmanship and acting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. physicality and body language. I mean, you know – he was hardly the best worker you've ever seen, but I'll be damned if he wasn't one of the stickiest. That is, you could yep. not turn away. And he is, he literally is unforgettable. That's correct. This guy, here's a guy, think about it in terms of today's wrestling. Here's a guy who debuted in, in what, 86? Uh, in the WWF, yes. 80, okay, debuted in WWE in 1986. This is 1991. He had gone five years never won a title, never had a pay-per-view title match No, outside of million dollar. Uh, the million-dollar belt uh, at WrestleMania six, The prestigious diamond-crested yes. million-dollar belt uh, at WrestleMania six. Yet he is one of those, not necessarily for mainstream you know, fans, so to speak, but for... For anyone who watched it religiously, yeah, he's an icon of That's that right. generation. He and he never won a belt, never won a belt, never was up in that main event level. Yet he is still iconic because he made you believe. That's correct. You know what? It's like whenever you know when pro wrestling. When it gets... came, oh, I just want to say yeah. this: when it came to making me believe. I trusted Jake. <laughs> Trust that. <laughs> you know, whenever wrestling didn't gets... You, didn't we put that... Didn't Didn't we put... <laughs> trust me in your... We put... No, we put... We put trust me in, in your valedictory speech. It's in there. Did you do that? It's in there. <laughs> I can guarantee, there goes that word again, mm-hmm. that you will all do great things. Trust me. <laughs> a direct uh... nod to a heel Jake Roberts circa... Late 91, early 92, WWF. Now, let me tell you, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever wrestling gets hokey, whenever wrestling gets, whenever you feel as a wrestling fan, like, why do I watch this shit? Like, I am embarrassed (laughs) by what they're presenting right now and having to look at my wife or my girlfriend or my kids (laughs) or my father and say, I am into this while somebody pretends to vomit on the screen. Um, remember Jake Roberts. Seriously. Seriously. Remember what he could do to a viewer, what he could do to a fan, what he could do on the stick. Yep. And we'll get to it. Specifically, specifically what he can do on the stick. And we'll get to that because he says some doozies after the match. Clear out page one. Mm -hmm. You know, clear out, clear out the front end stuff because it's all Jake Roberts here at the 1991 this Tuesday in Texas from the World Mm -hmm. Wrestling Federation. Um, We're going to introduce a little bit of a 
uh, a fun segment here at the top of the latest laps fan. We're going to take a look at some feedback as uh, yeah. as folks are coming to recognize, you know, kind of the, frankly, the brilliance that's going on every Wednesday um, at WrestleZone agree more. here I on the could podcast. Not agree more. Mm-hmm. Folks are coming around. They're starting to see that um, that there's money here and, and asses are being put into <laughs> seats. And folks over on Twitter at the lapsed fan are getting mm-hmm. hip to what's up. And uh, we thank all our followers and, and, and all of our listeners who interact that way. You can also get yeah. us at thelapsedfan at gmail.com. You know, JP, sure. every now and then we post questions about the myriad shows that we've reviewed, yes. things that, you know, aren't entirely clear on first viewing, especially some of the edited shows that you get right now in your WWE Network subscription. And uh, Absolutely. Folks are stepping up, my friend. Oh, they are indeed. Uh, uh, we, when we reviewed our, our second broadcast, the uh, the lapsed fan review of King of the Ring 1995 specifically, we had some questions about the editing of Shawn Michaels' entrance. Uh, is that correct? That is, as he came and, to the ring for the comma match, I believe. And yes, his only match, sadly, on that show. Mm-hmm. And we did, finally, we got a response. Excellent uh, stuff here. Who, uh, do you want to read that? Sure. This is our friend, uh, uh, Real Scott DiStefano on Twitter. Um, he has an original copy of the broadcast version of the 1995 King of the Ring. Amazing. And Scott, I, I thank you for, for, for being there for us, but you bought the show. (laughs) Yeah. And you kept the tape and you, yeah, you tape over it. it. I mean, I mean. Okay, hey, you know, to each his own. I, I agree. Every 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 one guy's five star match is every other guy's dud. So to each his own. Thank you. Hey, right now I'm grateful to you. So so there's this odd Scott. cut in Michael's entrance where he's coming down the ring and they cut away, and when they cut back, he's got a different hat on than the one he was wearing when he came through the curtain, which was his right. you know part of his ring outfit, and then he has this WWF King of the Ring hat, this kind of hokey hat on, right. and um. Uh, Real Scott DiStefano, at 4ScottDiStefano on Twitter, points out that, in fact, when Michaels comes out in his metal hat, his traditional hat, he goes up to a gentleman by the name of Barry Dedinsky. You know, I, I forgot about that asshole. Mm-hmm. You remember him? Yes, he is the subject oh. of great mockery and derision. This is a guy the WWF brought in here when they were putting out just this horrid, gaudy merchandise that nobody would be caught dead wearing. And he would just like hawk it like the biggest couple you've ever seen. Except, except for toad pedophile, well, he would, he'd wear it. He did. They made he him. Did. And then and oh. then then they waited to see if he was gonna puke. <laughs> you know, like denim Undertaker jackets. You know what I mean? Uh, well, that's a, that's that's a couple years too soon. Oh, really? When he was wearing a bike? No, no, no. I'm saying they 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 released that a couple years too soon. <laughs> he should have. They should have been selling that when he was uh, the American badass. That's correct. Then he was all denimed out. That's right. Um, but anyway, um, he goes up to Barry Dedinsky and he is yeah. selling blue King of the Ring hats, and they swap. Michaels and Dedinsky swap the hats, and I guess the reason, and it's hard to really ascertain. Whenever Dedinsky was on the screen at the bottom, they'd show this 800 number. It was like 1 800 Titan or right, something, right? right. That was the number you'd call to order this horrible merchandise right. that this guy was hawking. And um, and I guess that being an inactive number, kind mm, of the reason. I don't know. I, I was actually thinking about this. The, I th- the only reason to me, I think you would cut that out of, of the network broadcast. Because they show the numbers. They show the numbers and they just have an X through it and they say, yeah, this on is the not network right number. now, I would have to say the reason why I bet there was a... Um, a release issue. I bet he had to sign a new release 
when they started airing on the network because I'm sure it's got a different kind of deal. Are you versus... trying to say that Barry Dodinsky drove too hard a bargain for World Wrestling I, I, Entertainment? I mean, I'm saying maybe the guy wanted nothing to do with the company. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But nothing to, to do that... with him at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, maybe they didn't want to. On the script. Maybe they didn't want to waste the time looking this guy up, and they're like, oh, forget it. I don't care who this guy is anymore. Let's just cut it out. It's not that hard. Right. He won't be um, one of those letters with offers of rehab. <laughs> but the that's the only thing I can think of is that he oh. – like he didn't want anything to do with it because they, they would they show the number or not show the number and have – or do your little disclaimer. It's not hard. They've done it for every other show because every other show had a hotline. Mm-hmm. You know, at Halloween Havoc, they they had a hotline. At all the WWE shows, they had the the specific superstar line for that show, and they always either cross out the number or write over it saying right. this number is no longer in service or whatever. So it's got to be something to do with him. Either, either I mean, I don't know if he. I don't. I I have no idea what this guy does. He might be dead for all we know. Yeah, you know, Maybe I he's can't. Dead. I saw a reference to him as being involved in some kind of online poker enterprise. That's mm-hmm. the last time he came on the scene. He strikes me as the kind of guy that probably has changed his name once or twice. As then he, maybe he, maybe he's in jail. Yeah, you know, could be. In can't jail. get a hold of him. Um, but I think as we his, go, and as you sounds home, like a jailbird name. That name Barry, whatever. What's his name? Uh, Barry Nails. No, no, that's another joke. <laughs> um, so as you at home go through the network, if you ever see um, Dadinsky on there anywhere, then then let us know, but I don't think you're going to, and I think this is all starting to add up to your theory, JP, that there's some problem with Barry Dodinsky. There's some reason they can't put him on on network hey, podcasts. Hey, I want him on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be thrilled. Let's talk to Barry Dodinsky. Well, well, we'll see what we can do. Straczynski? Tchaikovsky? Uh, uh, Kowalski, actually. <laughs> Barry Killer Kowalski. We also heard from Drago <laughs> Dooge Music at Man of Moon on Twitter. A couple of our questions from the 1992 Survivor Series. As the WWF was rolling out the Yokozuna character, we were curious about yes. why there seems to be an envelope passing. Um, this is the pre-match thing. I'm trying to remember this, JP. Do you recall? No, that? it was it was after the match. Okay. After the match, uh, Yoko squashed. Squashed. Squ- <laughs> Yoko squashed. Squashed mm-hmm. Virgil. Mm-hmm. I'm glad somebody squashed Virgil. That's right. He can get squashed any day of the week if you ask me. That's correct. Um, but uh, Yoko squashed Virgil, beat him, and um, uh, and then Fuji handed him a an envelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was curious what that was, if it was some kind of, of payment or something. And as Drago points out, Yokozuna's envelope is implied to have money in it. It's a sumo tradition. So there you go. Yeah, interesting. I was not aware of that, but uh, thank you for enlightening me about the uh, the sumo world. Drago has also seen the a shoot interview that was done with George the Animal Steel, in which he talks about the nails choking Vince McMahon incident that we referenced in mm. talking about the mm-hmm. 1991 SummerSlam. And uh, mm. the nails choking Vince thing was due to a rib someone pulled on nails about payoffs, according to to Drago. <laughs> I never heard, I knew it was about payoff. I never heard that wrinkle that it was a rib about payoffs. I don't know. Which is strange. Yeah. And well, he was strange. For over 50 years, you recall our confusion about that, JP? Yes. Yes. I, I appreciate broadcast. that answer. Mid to late 90s, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. 
Um, as Drago points out, Capital Wrestling Corporation was founded in the 40s, which turned into the WWF, then the WWF, then WWE, hence over 50 years in the 90s. And, by the way, Fantastic. the mandible claw works by pushing on nerves under the tongue. You can't open or close your mouth when those nerves are pushed. Thank you, Drago. The thing about that answer made me a little bit nervous, because how does he know that? Well, he he knows. All right. I'm not. I'm not accusing you of anything, Drago. I, I swear. I'm just. I'm just curious about your hobbies. That's all. And the ten count on the ropes, according to him, man, he's just yeah. Answer. So we need to, you need to get this guy in retainer. Honestly, uh, seriously, we need to. I need your email so we can. Uh, I can. I can pass all my questions to you and have answers uh, before the show right, starts. Right, and act like we knew them in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of this credit stuff. I know, right? Seriously. Um, he, he claims that the 10 count on the top rope, which we always wonder about, you know, why does the ref administer a 10 count while a guy's standing on the middle rope punching his opponent in the head? Drago says, because the, te- uh, because in theory it's considered being outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there you go. And uh, by the way, Scott DiStefano, our 95 King of the Ring expert is going yes. to get us an audio clip of the portion of the Shawn Michaels entrance that's edited out. Right. So great. So hopefully so we'll then, for you on a future live I want to, I'm, I'm going to ask all of you out there in the lapsed fan universe, please find us a original broadcast copy of the King of the Ring from 1994. I need that information that we talked about on our show about the, uh, what was it, the governor or the mayor? Oh, this, right. This is the... The governor of Maryland says his favorite wrestler is Hulk Hogan, right, right as the big story in wrestling was Hogan jumping to WCW, and he was his name was not to be mentioned, and they were burying him on that very broadcast. I, 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 need, I need to see this. Get it? I need to witness it. Get it? Get it? Get it? Ugh, I, need right. get, I need to get it. <laughs> do you remember do. the yes. 1999 Super Bowl ad <laughs> where there's chaos in Titan Towers and the closing scene is an explosion on like the 13th floor and Vince is so, up. And, and, he goes, and doesn't someone like, doesn't someone get thrown out of the window? Yeah. Like, isn't that what it is? It blows up and someone flies out of the window and the, 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 you, you, you look down and there's Vince McMahon looking up at it. He turns around to the camera and says, get it. That's exactly right. Get it. No. Get it. Get what? Get the f out. Get, get, uh, I don't. Three years early. Get, get uh, piece of shit. <laughs> so uh, that's that was that. Me, that was that was me holding a lot of f bombs in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be judicious, my friend. Uh, no. I don't have time to work overtime no. on editing out the f bombs this evening. <laughs> um, but you know, there there's certainly there's no ban. We just need to be selective. I'm not even sure we'll no. still play the three limit game because uh, then then it, then it's a big deal when we swear and it's 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 I know we don't. And I, I know I know. Did you pick since I, I I failed I failed last week during Havoc. So did you find me a Todd Pettengill promo to have to listen to? No, I dropped the whole idea of the game, oh, so I didn't have to go to that effort. <laughs> So yeah, that's one thing you can count on here at the Lapsed Fan. Ideas sparked and dropped in right. about a half hour. I was gonna say you can you'll you'll hear a lot of ideas for for great things, with no follow through. It sounds like WWE Creative circa 2014. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. That's so creative. So Good stuff. The Lapsed Fan on Twitter. Get at us if we raise any questions and any gaps that you can help fill in. It's invaluable stuff. Whether you realize it or not, you will come to appreciate it at mm-hmm. some point. We are creating Absolutely. an audio diary of the history of the World Wrestling Federation, World Championship Wrestling, and hell, ECW. If we can get to every pay-per-view on this network before we die, oh we will. Mm-hmm. Because messing around is not in our nature. And we'll do it hard. That's right. Um, <laughs> Thanks. 
And also, please, if any of you, any of you out there in the Laps Fan universe, have any favorite shows that you want us to uh, yes. to come to, we 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 actually do these shows at random, um, and uh, and pick them out of the hat for the most part. But if uh, if you guys uh, have a favorite and you're dying dying for us to 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 review a show, please. Let us know, and we will be happy to do so. And that's a shoot. I can tell you until our friend Brandon from New Jersey requested the 1991 WCW Halloween Havoc. Yep. Uh, for last week's show, we, we hadn't thought about doing it. Uh, it wasn't yep. on our short list. So yep. yours due to a suggestion. So we're all mm-hmm. ears. Oh, by the way, before we move off the feedback, I do want to yep. mention Mark Orenberger, who tweets in. By the way, I mentioned talking about Jim Hurd in WCW in 1991 and last week's oh, yes. show. Uh, how no one's ever seen this man. No mm-hmm. one. Play- it, it's not true. Mark points out um, the NWO Revolution documentary that's on Netflix yeah. right now features a photo of Jim Hurd in the first two minutes. I don't believe it. I'll I don't, tell you why. I'll I tell don't you understand why, why Jim I'll tell Hurd you why. in an NWO doc. I'll tell you why. Give me it. I don't think. I think, again, mm-hmm. this is a guy they brought in to play Jim Hurd. That's right. <laughs> Jim Hurd is not a man. Right. Jim Hurd is the initials J-M-H-R-D. There are five people at Turner who have these initials. Oh, here he is. I've seen this guy before. You know, I, Shut up! I, <laughs> I'm, I know. I hate you. I, I didn't even bother to Google it last time when I'm going on. <laughs> on that. I, I know. I was thinking of that, actually, when we were talking about him. It probably wouldn't be too hard if you just Googled Jim Hurd. This Ted Kennedy-looking dude. Yeah. Oh my God! Is that him? He looks like Jack Tunney. He's a no good Jack Tunney, is what he. <laughs> so he is a no they good are in Jack the control Tunney. center somewhere with all these monitors. He's probably in CNN headquarters. He's probably in Atlanta. Look at him being all dumbative. What a Jim Turner. What a fraud. Jim absurd. Jim fraud. So there it is. Um, please stay in touch with the show. Help yeah. us fill in the gaps. Get yourself recognized on the last fan wrestling podcast. So mm. the business before us, JP, is the 1991 Tuesday in Texas. This Ooh. Well, Tuesday there, in Texas. there's no 92 Tuesday in Texas. Correct. There's only one. But there is a 98 No Way Out of Texas. Ooh. Well put. Yes. Mm. February 98, they did the No Way Out pay-per-view, and they added in te- uh, of Texas to the end of the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, it was the first one. They weren't going to do another one. That's correct. At the time. So, but, uh, so I used to joke, I think I joked with you too, that, uh, that show was, or, or a joke about a fictional show called this Tuesday, there's no way out of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, would be in it. (laughs) Totally. Or there's no way out this Tuesday in Texas. Oh my God. Oh man. There's, yeah, there's something about (laughs) Texas. Ah, ah. him and his cowboy. uh, Yeah. He loves, he loves, um, all that hillbilly shit. <laughs> he does. In cowboys? Nothing against, nothing against, well, no, cowboys and hillbillies are all the same. Oh, okay. Nothing against so, you listeners in Texas and oh, all our friends South in Texas. Shit, you but, kidding? Um, I know, right? Uh, but he loves the Texas, the stampedes and the uh, uh, the hillbillies and the, the hog farmers. Right. You name it. If they, if they've got a twang in their, uh, in their, vo- in their voice, Vince McMahon wants to jizz all over it. Vince McMahon's all. Vince McMahon will be glad to patronize you. Ah! So there it is. Uh, this Tuesday in Texas. Now, JP, um, I I'd imagine you'd be prepared to rev a couple of engines here for some of our regular features in the Lapsed Fan. Uh, tell us about at this point in WCW. At this time in WCW. 
Um, interestingly enough, we actually uh, covered a decent amount of this stuff uh, last week on the last sure. when we talked about Halloween Havoc. Yeah. But we can get into some of the fallout, given that this is a few months uh, after um, Halloween Havoc, and a few other special moments that occurred during these months, because there are some doozies. Uh, at, Hall- at Halloween Havoc, we talked about and we saw the formation of what would become the Dangerous Alliance. Now, as mentioned before, the first order of business was to take out Sting, and they did just that. Like a shot. Mm -hmm. Like a shot. (laughs) Like, shoot. I can't wait to do that show. So, anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, shoot. (laughs) What hit you in the head like a shoot? Press. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, At the next clash of the champions, with loads of interference before and during the match, Rick Rude defeated Sting, the franchise, for the WCW United States Championship. Then, on the following episode of WCW Television, Paul Heyman inducted Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko, and Steve Austin into the stable that is the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, It should be noted as well, at the same Clash of the Champions, that Dusty Rhodes and Barry Windham were scheduled to face Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko for the WCW World Tag Titles. However, again, an incident that happened on Halloween Havoc, uh, Arn and Larry slammed Windham's hand in the, that, that, what was it? Cadillac. uh, Cadillac. The Cadillac door at Halloween Havoc, so Barry was unable to compete. So, Dustin brought in a mystery partner. Who did that mystery partner turn out to be? None other than the Dragon Ricky Steamboat. Fresh off his WWF run. Yep, I was going to say, fresh off his short stint into the WWE, where he was just known as the Dragon exactly right. Uh, The two teams went on to have what is considered one of the greatest tag team matches in the history of World Championship Wrestling, with Steamboat and Goldustin winning the tag straps. And then, as we roll towards the close of 1991, WCW Booker, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Mm -hmm. tried to kill tradition dead by turning the rich event that is Starcade and turn it into a gimmick match event battle bowl. Not, I have no problem with the battle bowl idea and the show. I think it's fine. I'm a fan of it. Um, I just think it's a waste to put it on the biggest show of the year. Yeah, a waste for the biggest show of the year and a waste to not be a TV special. You know, you don't you don't I, do a pay-per-view where you can't tell people what the matches are going to be beforehand. That never works. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and again, I, I don't even mind it as a pay-per-view on its own. I just think Starcade is, I mean, Starcade is Starcade. It's like making WrestleMania like a Money in the Bank show. Right. And don't, and not tell anybody who's in the matches. Right. Exactly. You find out after you buy the show who's wrestling who. And it's, <laughs> and the pairings are just incredibly underwhelming all the right. while. So that is what's going on at this point in World Championship you, Wrestling over the pond, so to speak. And how kind about. Of, kind of weird to. Not have a lot, but considering we covered most of it, it's... Uh... Well, that's going to happen increasingly as we yeah, go here absolutely. on the Lapsed Fan. I mean, you know, as we jump around all these years, we're not going to spend time saying the same things twice. I mean, you know, if yeah. we've been there, it's your responsibility to go back and that's find right. that podcast and get up to speed. We're, we you know... are not responsible for your actions. If you don't listen to this show, f*** you. <laughs> 
so <laughs> precisely. Uh, so tell me about you ready? The you death ready? toll. Yeah. You ready? This show, uh, pretty light. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy. Randy Savage, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, Gorilla Monsoon, Joey Morella, Paul Bearer, and guess it for me. Do it. Do it. Say it. You know I want you to say it. Say it. The, it. the Undertaker. Yes! The reigning WWF champion. <laughs> is dead. And he was dead then. So, that's interesting. He was. Um, <laughs> I suppose that is interesting. You know what? That joke, for me, never going to get old. Well, yeah. So, those of you listening, if there's a show The Undertaker is on, he is in the death toll. Well, he was so dead at this point in time, too. Oh, yeah. like, in terms of his gimmick, I mean, you couldn't... Did you mention Sherry? Oh, shit. I didn't mention Sherry. Fail. Sorry, Sherry. I forgot you're dead. And... Uh, so that's the rundown. Those are the folks who are no longer with us. Rest in peace, of course, Absolutely. as we dive into this Tuesday in Texas from um, Freeman Coliseum in uh, San Antonio. Yeah. Now, Inter- mm-hmm. there are dark matches, JP. There are as many dark matches as there are matches on the show. I did not know this until I began preparing for this podcast. In all my years, I yep. never knew that, for example... Ric Flair worked Roddy Piper on this show before the pay-per-view cameras were turned on. Because no one wants to watch that on TV. Right. It's not like Ric Flair was a hot property at this point in time, having they... just come into the t- the company with the belt. Now, did they have um, did they have two hours scheduled and they just went under? No, no. I think it was always a 90-minute show. They wanted to cut okay. their three hours in half and cut the price in half, etc. Cut their budget in half. There was no frills. Yep. There was yep. just the WWF logo side at the entranceway. That was it. And um, and no, I think I think the thought was that if they only did five matches for a live crowd, they wouldn't really feel like they got their money's worth. So yep. you give them a whole bunch of other stuff. Flair and Piper, they'll be happy. Um, and and other, just a couple other interesting... Um, talents that were there that god i did not know were even even on the radar on radar i mean i knew uh, chris chavis obviously um uh, uh what's his name tatanka <laughs> you almost forgot yeah, tano yeah. Native American tano. Tata- so i didn't even know i didn't even know he ever worked under his real name in a wwf ring well he didn't really because it wasn't on tv yeah. So, because he, but I mean, he debuted right after, mm-hmm. uh, in February or January, right after the Royal Rumble, he debuted as Tano Tatanka. Um. So, hey, how are you? And hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? So Chris Chavez defeated JW Storm. Who's that? One of the dark matches. I don't know. Let me actually. There is a there is linkage. I I clicked. There was no picture, so I didn't care. Jeff Warner. So Jeff Warner. Jeff Warner. Hmm. Give me a moment here. I was oh, uh, uh, Pacific Northwest. Okay. All right. Yes, he, he teamed with um, Art Barr, um, who, of course, was Eddie Guerrero's famed tag team partner in Mexico, yeah. the yeah. late Art Barr. Um, so, yeah, he was known. If you grew up in <laughs> You Oregon. know what one of his ring names was? Uh, the Juicer? No, no, big, that was Art Barr. Big, big Juice. Big Juice, yes. He was, was Big, big juice. juice. Oh, and Art Barr was Beetlejuice together. The Juice Patrol. Oh, hmm. I'm getting thirsty. Uh, that, yeah, that, uh... I'm gonna go upstairs and get some orange juice. 
when you can yeah when you consider that the candy floating around wrestling locker rooms at this point in time yeah. i don't know about the juicers being the best name the juice patrol <laughs> the juice uh, patrol what is that the federal government yeah the other uh, uh other three four other talents hey now on this on, on the dark match is fascinating brian lee yes was defeated was defeated so obviously he wasn't the uh what well, he wasn't the um um the star, the preferred star. He actually what he was a prospect. Just because he didn't go over here, they yeah. they were watching him a lot more closely than Chris Walker. I I don't know who Chris Walker is or was. If you know, at the last yeah. fan, there's Please. nothing on the guy, and he's uh, got no page on Wikipedia. Nothing at the time they were talking more about Brian Lee as a guy getting a look sure. than Chris Walker. Sure. Um, uh, and then Sir Charles. Sir, hello, my name is Sir Charles. Mm-hmm. Defeated Dale Wolf. Sir Charles is of course who will become in a couple of months, the same as uh, Chris Chavis, uh, would become uh, Papa Shango. Yes. And then Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine, then Nation of Domination member Kama Mustafa, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. And then the Good Father, and then the Godfather. <laughs> the Good Father. Yeah. He, he defeated famed that. early 90s jobber Dale Wolf. I love Dale Wolf. Oh my God! One of those guys, Dale Wolf, Barry Hardy, Barry Horowitz, and Dwayne Gill. You guys, you get those guys on a early '90s TV taping, you'll have my attention. Indeed, I always remember Dale Wolf one time locked up with a guy in a squash match and kicked him in the stomach. And I remember thinking, <laughs> why doesn't every wrestler do that on the lockup? Just kick the guy. His you arms know- are occupied. He can't defend his stomach. Just kick the man. You know, I, it was I still remember Dale Wolf to this day doing that. <laughs> you know, I there, there was that reminds me of something that I used to think about regarding uh, Bret Hart. Actually, mm. um, when I around uh, in 1991, uh, at this time, uh, I did not think Bret Hart was that great. Mm-hmm. I was actually not impressed with him. Do you know why? Because out of all the wrestlers that I would see uh, weekly on All American Wrestling, he was one of the very few, if not the only one, who would actually get beat up a little bit by the jobbers. Yes, he'd give them so offense. He'd, he'd let him have a little bit of offense. So I always thought of him as weak. Not to mention that when he won the WWF title in 1992, he would go like tit for tat with like Virgil and Papa mm-hmm. Shango. And that was his thing when he first won the belt was I... like – the, he be they they the the I think we mentioned it when we talked about Survivor yeah. Series. They called him the um, the oh, most like, defendingest, the fightingest. Yeah, the defend the fightingest. That's what it is. The fightingest WWE champion we'd ever seen. That's right. Yeah, and he great. would give great amounts of offense to these like B level players, like yeah. they were actually going to win the belt. So uh, yeah, I, I, I sympathize with what you're saying there. So Sir Charles, and we also got the Harris brothers, Don and the Ron Harris, Harris brothers. You know, it's I mean, uh, Jacob and Eli Blue, or maybe Skull and Eight Ball of the Disciples of Apocalypse. I know. Mm-hmm. How crazy that! I mean, they didn't really come onto the scene in WWE until until '95, yes. and here they are wrestling a dark match um, in '91. That's insane. Going over Brian Donahue and Brian Costello crazy. in the first match through the curtain. Brian Donahue. Who knows? Perhaps a play on Phil Donahue. Who? Uh, <laughs> this is around the point in time when Vince and company made the very famous Phil Donahue uh, appearance around w- with the um, with the with the front office employee who right. wrapped the WWF up in a big uh, sex scandal, sexual harassment scandal named Tom Cole. I think it was the next year. I think in '92. So whenever it's Donahue mean, in wrestling context, you mean a sports entertainment extreme scandal? That's correct. Okay. <laughs> 
Yes. Kind of scandal I like. So um, here we are. I, I want to note this. Although this is our this is our seventh lapsed fan yep. broadcast, it is only the second pay per view that we have re- reviewed featuring the immortal Hulk Hogan. That's true. That's pretty that's interesting. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We, we spent so much time talking about him anyway. I, I know. It's not like we're not. I mean, we'll probably talk about him every single broadcast, no matter what it is. As is only appropriate. He was still yeah. far and away at this point, despite efforts to make Warrior the biggest star in the sport. Absolutely. By a mile. Um, I'm looking um, here, actually. This was actually, I said earlier it was 20 bucks. This was actually $12.95 to purchase at the time. $12. Wow, and I see uh, I see a note actually from somebody who wrote a letter uh, uh, and, uh, to the Observer about it, and he was saying <laughs> his cable company in Pittsburgh, yeah, you you had to buy both shows. If you didn't order Survivor Series, they wouldn't allow you to buy Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> well, that's how they get you. Yeah. Well, where were you this past Wednesday? In Detroit, right. If right. you want to be in Texas Tuesday, you better have been in Detroit yeah, Wednesday. Right. What, what do you? What do you think you're going to get this one for free here? No, 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 no. You got to pay your dues, brother. And interestingly enough, uh, we actually start the this Tuesday in Texas show with footage from Detroit in the Joe Louis Arena. In fact, Mean Gene Okerlund, JP, is in the catacombs, the bowels, if you will, of the Joe Louis Arena in search of our recently crowned WWF champion, The Undertaker. I, I I found it interesting that he finally finds the Undertaker in the the boiler room bowels, which to me set up the boiler room brawl five years in advance. <laughs> A little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, what yep. is Undertaker doing down foreshadowing. there? Foreshadowing. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, what? but there's a fire burning behind him. There's a fire. This is this is a this is this is a professional building. It's not his home, right? Or or his garage or whatever. This right. is. This is this is an arena. This the WWE does not, if you will, own this arena. You know, not they, allowed to just like go and live <laughs> in the basement of the Joe and set up fires after the show. <laughs> and Gene, by the way, pursues him all the way well, like an idiot. He goes down to the the basement to get a word. I guess. I love. I love to. Oh my God! They open up. Undertaker opens up a coffin that holds oh. the death of Hulkamania inside. <laughs> Which is like the most like, like metaphysical thing. That's like saying like energy is in there. It's like I know. You can see Hulkamania. No, but it's, it's in the not. casket. I assure you, it's in there and it's green apparently too. So, <laughs> and it's got a light attached to it. So, so when he the... opens the casket, <laughs> you realize that we get the perspective of someone who's laying in the casket, right? Yes, we're Hulkamania. <laughs> How meta is that? <laughs> Holy shit. We, it's true. I mean, we are in this in the context of this construct, <laughs> this constructed world. We are Hulkamania. We are seeing this through the eyes of Hulkamania. I, I tell you right now, Brecht was having a wet dream. <laughs> this was Brechtian. Yeah, this was he had a Brecht dream, <laughs> as it were. Bertolt Brecht. Brecht, Brecht himself. Jesus. I, I don't remember WWF bringing in Soderbergh to direct a pay-per-view. <laughs> was it fantasy where they pull out at the end and it's all oh, a movie that's set? That's right. That's Full right. Full frontal, what's it called? It's it's all art. Um, right. So this is clearly art. Here. <laughs> in the, as Paul Bear says, Oh, Mr. Oh. Nothing is immortal. Oh. <laughs> 
Hulkamania died right here this very evening. Yep. He lets Oakland know. Now, keep in mind, this is supposed to be at Survivor Series six days ago. Um, so, you know, Bear basically said, we're holding off the funeral. We killed Hulkamania at the Survivor Series. We waited six days, but he's in the embalming room of my funeral parlor. And sometime between now and Tuesday, we will eviscerate him. This is when Undertaker lifts the lid. We have the camera shot from the perspective of someone laying inside said casket. And Undertaker says, now the only thing left is this Tuesday, the burial. Screen so black. now, okay. Oh. So, so wait a minute. So by that rationale, then Hulk Hogan can't actually compete at Tuesday in Texas because he's getting embalmed. Well, right, ceremonially, I think. Oh, yeah, I think they were speaking metaphorically. Yeah, metaphysically too. Yeah, and textual. <laughs> um, text. Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> is at the call along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Our I, two. I favorites. just, I just want. Yeah, I know this is great. I mean, that just made me happy all over. But um, I want to just uh, note that there these are some of the major talent missing from this show. Mm. Legion of Doom, not on the show. Tag Team Champions, by the way, not on the show. The Natural Disasters were not on the show. The Big Boss Man, Piper wasn't really on the show because if you didn't watch it, you didn't know he had a dark match. Yep. So that's no kind of, of weird. No sign of him besides the dark match. Um, Sid Justice, not on the show. Sergeant Slaughter, not on the show. And the Mountie was not on the show. That's so. too bad. All those are too bad. And, and there are many more who weren't on the show. Um, I mean, I don't think you even got half the roster that you did on Survivor Series. No, well, a part of the idea was, like I said, half everything, including half the talent budget. You know, that they, they were trying to experiment with this idea of doing a show on a smaller scale, charging less, but getting just a little bit more. Because, you know, if you multiply it out, if they could do this every month, you know, they, they could like double their bottom line or like maybe add like 25, 30 percent more money. Um, people weren't sure about pay-per-view. If it had limits, they, people didn't know what people's, you know, tolerance level was in terms of how often they'd be willing to fork over cash. Yeah. If you, so it was all experimental. Um and, uh, and it was a one-shot deal. So Gorilla Monsoon on the call, Bobby the Brain Heenan on the call uh, in Texas. And um, Gorilla lets us know that they're going crazy in anticipation of the ramifications of tonight's matches. <laughs> Me too. Now, see, they're, they're, they're more excited about the ramifications than they are about the matches, which is actually telling because that was one of the big complaints about this show, right? Is that all you got was ramifications. You didn't actually get the payoff on this show. You just got a sense of where things were going. Well, that makes sense then. We got what we paid for. Hey, man, Gorilla was shooting. Gorilla was hewing to the script. He was shooting hard. Perhaps Hulkamaniacs all over the world will be looking for reincarnation, they say. <laughs> this, this is kind of grim. I understand the Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker handles bodies and Paul Bearer embalms them and, right, you know, they're a funeral parlor. I get that, but... He puts his opponents in body bags right. during this time. Yes, but those black leather body bags. But, you know, you don't have to go that, that hard in the death stuff. I know. I know. I mean, I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's either maybe us, maybe because we live in a post-9-11 America hmm. or what. Or a post-every-wrestler dying America. <laughs> that could be it, too. I mean, how many wrestlers, had, you know, that had died, really? I mean, yeah. I'm sure tons had died, but, um, you know, the first one that I remember hearing about who died was Andre the Giant. Yeah. No, that's not true. I heard about Tornado first. Mm. I heard about Tornado because he died in 92 mm. when he killed himself. But they didn't make a deal out of it, you know? It isn't like – No, they... but they, they they wrote it in the magazine or something like that. They oh, actually really? wrote about it. I think they wrote – I read about it. I read about it. I didn't 
see it. I actually read about it. I don't know if it was in WWE magazine or if it was in PWI or something like that, but somewhere they did write a very brief um a very brief bit that that Kerry Von Erich had killed himself. JP, you know what I finally get to do at this point? What? What what? Tell my Skinner story. <laughs> Do you know this story? Do you know, know I don't know, but I just like the way you built that up. Just... Do you remember the toy? Oh, God, yeah. It was okay. awful. Now, maybe I never told you this story, so get ready. I don't know if I've heard this one. I'm excited. All right. The opening contest of this Tuesday in Texas is Bret Hart versus Skinner for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Of course, Bret Hart, your champion. Yes. Um, and my Skinner story is that well, I had the... Yep. I just, just want to say very quickly before you get into the Skinner story, um, they referenced several times that Bret Hart is the Intercontinental Champion. Wait a minute. Was this? Maybe it was a different show. Oh, you know what? It was a different show. You're Sorry. confusing shows. Oh, my goodness. I was confusing shows because uh, uh, I watched um, I watched uh, the Saturday Night's Main Event. Was, uh, a, Saturday night, a, a Saturday Night's Main Event this afternoon. And on that show. This Saturday in Texas? It, <laughs> it was, actually. Yeah. Actually, it was this Saturday in, like, Des Moines or something. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> this and, Saturday in and, Des Moines, domestic yeah. incident. Uh, they called it the Intercontinental Championship of the World. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. It's ridiculous because that defeats the whole purpose. So, Skinner. Anyway, go ahead, Skinner. This is exciting. I had the Skinner Hasbro action figure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I had a million of those things, I had all the guys. Yeah. And. For so you know, I would always, as any good wrestling fan, young wrestling fan would, um, you know, kind of like mimic the entrance music. I'd just sing it. I'd hum it. <laughs> okay. While the wrestlers came to the ring. Yeah. And almost to a man, I remembered the music. It, you know, there's something about being a wrestling fan, particularly a WWF fan. You just, the music, you internalize it. You memorize it without even realizing it. Of course. It. Of course. They're so good at it. And so I couldn't for the life of me remember... Um, what Skinner's music was, or what it would even be. Yeah. And I realized that Skinner was one of the most depressing guys on the roster. <laughs> that Skinner was a guy that nobody wanted to see. And when, uh -huh. when he was on the show, when he was on the card, and he was in the ring, it was the pretzels. It was time to go get a drink. Oh. Yes. And so I decided that Skinner's entrance music oh my God. would be this. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> People cry. <laughs> because of how <laughs> depressed they were. I'm in pain right now. Skinner is up next. <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> Boo! Like, I'm like, like adults crying like children out, <laughs> tugging on mommy's pant leg. Boo! <laughs> I'm sad, mommy. It's Skinner. Can we go home? Skinner, <laughs> <laughs> go home. Can Skinner go home now, Daddy? <laughs> Can Vince tell Skinner to go home now? 
so we can have a better match. <laughs> oh God, that really is amazing. Oh, I'll never forget. You just. Oh, no, you've never told me that one. That is, without a doubt, oh, shit, that hurts. You're ready. Mm. Oh, that's good. Let me tell you, folks, you know, if you haven't picked up on it by now, JP and I oh. for a long time, there are not many things that I can, we can drop on each other <laughs> that we haven't already dropped at each other. So that was a, that's a rarity. I mean, maybe you did, and I, and I forgot, but I don't think so. Oh. I mean, uh, at least not not in the usual continual basis where we, you know, reference the same stories over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the poor guy, he was the only guy of all oh my God. to not have a song. It, it, it was just boo. <laughs> and, and you know, his, his real music was like, <laughs> cause it was, it was, it was the sound, it was the sounds of the Everglades. <laughs> Everglades. It sounds like a. Uh, oh Jesus! I could say something totally. <laughs> My God! It sounds like um... <laughs> Bob oh. Boucher eating a muffin or something. <laughs> I mean, obviously they knew the music sucked because he got the jobber entrance oh. at this show during Brett's music. Yeah, Brett's coming out and they're announcing <clears throat> Skinner's in the ring oh. from the Everglades. Oh my God! So there you go. There's my. Oh, story. that hurt. Son of a bitch, that hurt. That's amazing. Boo! <laughs> Just picture me, picture me gripping the little hazard with my index finger and my thumb and pretending like making a down <sighs> dial like he's walking. Boo! <laughs> All the way into the ring. Chewing his, uh, chewing his tobacco. Oh, and did they make a big deal out of that tobacco or what? Oh, I never remembered that about this gimmick. Oh my. But yeah, the- it was huge. It was like it was like dripping out of his mouth. <laughs> it's horrible. It's like it, it, it might as well have been Papa Shango's ooze. Really? Yeah, it's reminiscent of it. It really is. Um, by the oh, way, was Skinner awful. was the gimmick assigned for whatever reason to Steve Kern, a wonderful worker, a, a great yeah. you know a great veteran of the sport, uh, broken uh, with Stanley and the Fabulous Ones in in the mid '80s. One of those heartthrob Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express style tag teams, yeah. uh, popular in Memphis and. Um, had some great matches with those teams and others. So Steve Kern deserves a ton of respect, and he really uh, he works <laughs> solid match here with Bret Hart. But Skinner, might. how how pissed do you think Steve Kern was yeah. when they told him he had to wrestle in khakis and a flannel shirt? Barry Darso, get over here. You're going to be <clears throat> Repo Man. Oh my God! Put Zorro mask on. Creep <laughs> around like a rapist. Steve Kern, the Skinner costume might be more uncomfortable to wrestle in than IRS. Yeah. His outfit. Flannel. I, I think the flannel shirt, oh. I mean, he, he granted he had it open, but I think wearing a flannel shirt, I mean, that's disgusting. <laughs> that is disgusting. I mean, I'm picturing me. Oh my God. I'd be, I'd be, oh, so Bret Hart wouldn't want to wrestle with me. He'd say, get out of here. Just get a count out. I don't want to touch you. He didn't predict Skinner could, that Brett, by the time this is over, could very well be on the wall in the home of Skinner. And I mean, dressed and mounted. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> this is a big moment. Uh, uh, Brett gives his glasses when he comes into the okay. ring to an ugly, ugly, ugly girl. I'm sure she's listening to the podcast too. And she has a seizure. Yeah. She has a seizure over it. She does. And, and Bobby Heenan is, is also nervous because he says they should bring that bimbo some oxygen or she's going to faint. Oh, my goodness. Bring her some oxygen. That bimbo's going to faint. He calls her a bimbo. How, 
He does. There would be like a complaint filed if they said oh, that on WWTV. Like if, oh my god. If JBL called like a fan in the front row a bimbo, like oh my god, Twitter storm. Oh, be, that'd be crazy. It was just Heenan being Heenan, though. I loved it. It was great because was mean, that the I... same woman who wrote the uh, the PN News rap? <laughs> Our friend from last week. Poor thing. I felt bad. <laughs> you know she's out there. I know. You know she's listening too. Um, no, she's not. Nobody listens. So, <laughs> so don't kill yourself now. Keep, <laughs> put the razor blade down. Um, Gorilla says that Brett is a man who has excellence of execution, <laughs> yeah. as if as if he bought it at Target. <laughs> you know, like excellence of execution is like yeah. a hair product. It's like you could go in like the in in the do it yourself aisle. Right. Oh look, like oh yeah, I kind of. Yeah, this is execution, and I can be excellent at it. Tell the tape, strengths. Let me get that. Cardiovascular conditioning, wrestling savvy, <laughs> excellence of execution. <laughs> One of the many traits Bret Hart possesses. Uh, and he'll need it here with Skinner, as the experts point out. Uh, just, just to mention, uh, this is the second of Skinner's four WWE... Well, I, he might have gone on something. Did he? Did he do the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17? Yes. Yes. He did? Okay. So one, this is the second of Skinner's five WWE pay per view appearances. They made a little. They they made a little bit of a deal out of the fact that, as Gorilla put it, God bless him. For all intents and purposes, Skinner is undefeated. <laughs> Which I don't know what the well, hell that's supposed he to mean. Debuted like a month before, right? And for all intents and purposes, impressive. he remembers some DQ somewhere or some countout. Just yeah. don't bother. So, so especially if he's losing. For all intents, he's probably never won a match. That's probably what it is. He's never actually <laughs> won a match, but he's never been pinned or submitted before. Did he call he just that reverse loses. DDT the Gator Drop? Um, it's actually called the Gator Breaker. The Gator Breaker. Thank you. But he doesn't call it that. He calls it something else. But. It was established later on as the Gator Breaker. So um, Gorilla talks about the tobacco. He says he's chewing away on on on, on that 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 chaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, Gorilla, do you mean tobacco? I mean, is that really that hard to remember that, that it's tobacco Chew, he's chewing? Chew and chaw. Yeah, he's like reaching for this word. It's like Gorilla, you don't always have to use a euphemism. You don't always have to use like a synonym. You can just say the word sometimes, like clavicle instead of shoulder. <laughs> That's always the clavicle. Sorry. Uh, so it, <clears throat> they they also have uh, he and he and Bobby have a great exchange. Uh, Gorilla mentions. Um, uh, Skinner's gator claw necklace yeah. that he that he brought to the ring, and he says it looks like something the cat dragged in. And Bobby replies, and it was too afraid to take it back out. <laughs> looks no, like you... something the cat dragged in, and was too afraid to take back out. <laughs> but not too afraid to bring it in, Bobby. <laughs> kind of realized halfway that it's dangerous. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. I, I brought it in. Well, I don't want to touch it now. Talk, you talking to me? <laughs> That's where he would have said that when he got nailed. Oh, when he yeah. got cornered, he'd say that to get uh, out of it. You talking to me? Uh, <sighs> so, yes. Uh, you know, in, in Gorilla trying to speculate on what it is that Skinner's chewing on, Bobby actually suggests it could be the bottom paw of an alligator that he's actually chewing. <laughs> course of the match uh brett hits him with an inverted atomic drop skinner hits the yep. floor stands around like a drunk um brett starts uh working the arm. he gave uh maybe maybe it was a different atomic drop that he did but i always laugh when when i when a guy delivers 
either a regular atomic drop or an inverted atomic drop, mm -hmm. and the receiving wrestler does the opposite effect. Like if um, Bret Hart, I think Bret Hart gave him gave Skinner a regular atomic drop, yep. and Skinner grabbed his balls. <laughs> And then I've seen other other. I think uh, actually Bret Hart was the was on the receiving end and a different show of an inverted atomic drop, and he grabbed his ass. <laughs> right. The hey guys, do me a favor. Learn how to sell. Right. One one impacts the coccyx bone, <laughs> and the other the balls. Um, <laughs> so. So for some reason, and yes. this is this is I don't know if brain was brain was trying to get his bearings here or what, but he threw me for a loop yeah. on this one. All of a sudden, he just blurts out, "I heard they're going to tear down the Alamo and open a fast food restaurant." <laughs> I didn't hear that one. What is he talking about? Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, well, because they're in because they're in Texas. Well, I know, but what, what does the fast food restaurant have to do with it? And that that was confusing to me. Um. Uh, Maybe he comment going on that might that might that might have been a uh, a a um, current events thing. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, hey, if anyone knows, if anyone knows out there in the lapsed fan universe, San Antonians, get at us at the lapsed fan Please. Twitter. Um, he uh, is you know, commenting on the gator paw, and he says, "I believe that's the left arthesis of an alligator." <laughs> <laughs> Taking a page out of Gorilla's book, of course, Gorilla responds, "Will you?" Be serious. Serious. I loved it. Um, Brett uh, did a T. Okay, let me just. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Give me what I need. <clears throat> Brett used to do a sharpshooter tease, where he would lift the two legs. He does it to Skinner in this match. Mm -hmm. he, he would lift the two legs of his opponent. Excuse me, as if he was going for the sharpshooter, and he'd look around to the crowd and he would look for their acceptance and say, "Hey, you know," uh, and they'd be cheering. They'd be like, "Yes." Give me the sharpshooter, yeah! And but instead he would stomp the guy in the bread basket. Right. You remember that? He, he did, does sometimes he did a headbutt too. Yeah, right. He'd do a headbutt or or whatever. It, it was so annoying. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, he have done some other way to to do that? Why why the tease? Was he was he purposely doing that? I don't know. I it, it, it must have been his way of getting the crowd to think about. Oh yeah, that's his finisher. I guess. I, because I to me, kind of a heelish that, thing. It kind of is. If you're in that position to give the guy your finisher, slap it on. Why don't you give the guy the freaking finisher? Excellence of execution. Yeah, you know yep. what? Excellence of fraudulence. Heenan, Heenan, Heenan informs us that Skinner doesn't have a house, that he lives out with the lizards in the Everglades, and he has a sleeping bag he sleeps in. He lives in the Everglades. Gorilla. <laughs> Chewing on his Aww. Now, how do you suppose, with that kind of lifestyle, you know, Skinner fared on the road at the Marriotts and stuff? Like, what I'm more actually, what I'm more curious about is, how do they find him? If he, <laughs> to get him his plane tickets, how do you get his itinerary out in the middle no, no, no. of the You're thinking way too far ahead. Oh, okay. How did they find him to hire him? How did they find him? And how does he know how to wrestle? What did wrestle? they say? What, yeah. I mean, well, I, I know how he knows how to wrestle. I am aware of this. I, I read okay. it in the WWE magazine. He used to wrestle. 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 <laughs> he used to wrestle alligators. Right. So he was uh, the first uh, Steve Irwin. So I guess part of the gimmick Because Gorilla shoots back He's too cheap to find a place That's why he's <laughs> in a sleeping bag 
And I'm thinking that's part of the gimmick. He's like he's poor and on welfare or something. Like I don't understand. Like again, when when you when you start, he's go ahead. He's an alligator wrestler. Like he's how can he be cheap? What are you talking about? He doesn't get paid to wrestle alligators. (laughs) He does it to either survive or for a hobby. You can't be so if you're basically living like a caveman. No, he's he's living in the wild here. He's cooking. That's what he does. He grills gator for dinner every day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Um, um, Okay. So this kind of goes back to the, the, the nails. Yeah. Like why would, okay. Why would Jack Tunney, if you're thinking of this as a real, (laughs) as real, why would Jack Tunney hire this asshole? (laughs) Such an appealing hire, you know. I mean, it's like this guy's oh, yeah, well, this, this, at all walking around. Uh, not at all. This guy's not dangerous. He he kills animals barehanded. Uh, he'd be a good wrestler. Get her paw in his mouth. Yeah, chewing on jaw. I'm never, I'm never getting over that one. All right, you know, and everybody, everybody's gonna be chewing on jaw from now on. John Bradshaw Layfield. <laughs> Chewing on Bradshaw. <laughs> That's, that would be the WWE branded <laughs> Bradshaw. Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, actually, you don't. I didn't know you at the time, actually. My first semester, this is actually a non wrestling story, believe it or not. My first um, semester at Emerson College, uh, January of 2001, I, I, I was roommates with a guy, uh, JJ something or other um it's awful he's a nice guy yeah. <laughs> anyway so he he used to he used to chew dip mm-hmm. and one time and he he, we, he stole a uh, a cup from the uh, from the cafeteria mm-hmm. and so he had that was his spitting spittoon and he had a i mean it was loaded it was this deep black <laughs> disgusting uh, a cup filled with oh. the juice yes. of his chewing tobacco. And one time, one time, he knocked it over onto the keyboard of his laptop. Wow. His computer was like dead. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it seeped into the I mean, Pentium processor. I'll put it this way you know what happened actually? When the Undertaker lifted that casket and the yep. glow, it was his computer. Right. It wasn't Hogan. It right. was his compute. My friend, my roommate's computer. Wow. I mean, it was disgusting. Yeah. I mean, that shit. I mean, you know what? I hey, to each his own. Do what you want to do. But God Almighty, that one just seems to be a rough one. A rough one. I agree with you, one hundred ten percent. Chewing, chewing the dip. Yeah, and Skinner's doing it while he's working. <laughs> Is it not working? Not working like at a at a at a computer. Or at a cubicle. No, he's working a match. Let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you this. Do it. What is it with Gorilla Monsoon on this show criticizing guys uh-huh. not locking in a hold properly? I know. He went crazy on that, huh? It's all over Skinner for not having the abdominal stretch applied correctly. That left leg needs to be was... hooked in grapevine under oh, there. there. And there was a great and, – and Heenan had a great, great uh, uh, retort there. Heenan says – Ooh, it's money. <laughs> He says he's no, no, no. He's doing it just to adjust his balance. <laughs> yes, 
Yes, yes. He was grabbing the ropes. The ropes. He kept grabbing the ropes. Sorry, I wasn't clear about that. He kept grabbing the ropes, and he says he was just doing it to adjust his balance. Oh, how money is that? You know, the classic heel wrestler and, trick of grabbing the ropes and pulling on them like that adds pressure to a submission hold. Um, a submission hold that, to hear Gorilla tell, it shouldn't even be locked on in the first place because the guy clearly doesn't know a, a wrist lock from a wrist watch in the Everglades. Um, did you know, did you, did we mention there was a clavicle spotting? Yes, he does mention that Brett goes does, clavicle yep. first into the iron ring post at ringside. It was pretty intense, actually. It was a, it was a good... Uh, uh, a good sequence. Yeah, Brett went for the ride. Yeah, that turned the tides, and Skinner got some heat on him. Um, yes, and you know what? What if... Well, first of all, Gorilla, before you go and criticize Skinner's abdominal stretch, how do you think you'd apply it on a, on an alligator? <laughs> Can't Your be legs, great binding legs on an alligator. Their legs are a little small, mm-hmm. a little stubby. So um, what if Bobby Heenan was right about that? That all along... The heels grab the ropes while having a submission just to correct their balance. I mean, that would flip wrestling upside down. I mean, that makes just as much, if not more, sense than the idea that they're doing it for leverage, whatever the hell that means. I mean, again, we've discussed it before. Sometimes this leverage makes no sense. I do not understand how him grabbing the ropes, because it's like, because to me, to get the effect that he's that he would want to get, someone would, would be having to pull... Skinner backwards, right, right. You know, so we can rip the effect. limbs. Yeah, so we can rip the. It's an abdominal stretch, so you're trying to rip the abs, and the only way to do that is to pull him back, not reach out to the right. It's an abominable stretch, all right. It is indeed. It's an abominable. So all these all these heels have been doing all these years are correcting their balance. You know. Yeah, that's right. Shoulder breaker gets two from Skinner on it's Brett. A... Brett misses an elbow. Um, Skinner's playing possum. You mentioned. Uh, um... Um, uh, did, uh, um, oh my God! Really? You're almost there. Really? I swear. Did you notice that Brett went for the weird elbow again? Yeah, he that came off the middle rope. Yep. I forgot he did that in this show. I haven't seen it in a, in a few years, so I forgot about that. But I, I I like that. I always enjoy when he does that elbow because you never see, you you rarely see it after ninety two. Yeah. If you see it at all. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to old shows. We're not here. Please I don't have time to repeat myself. That's correct. God's sake. Skinner grabs his I am an encyclopedia. (laughs) Skinner grabs his uh spit can at one point in the match because I guess he's going to I don't know use it on Brett. He's Uh, got to evacuate his mouth. (laughs) Yeah. And uh ref is distracted by the fact that Skinner grabs his spit can, so you know God forbid um, so Skinner basically uses that to backdoor the ref because the ref's trying to put the can back. So he goes to the other corner, grabs his claw, his gator yep. claw, hits Brett right in the throat with it. My God. So Skinner hits Brett with the gator claw. Is is that similar to the mandible claw? I suppose you could say that, yes. The croc- did, he, did he jam it into his gullet? <laughs> yes, it impacted the esophagus. That much is clear. Uh, I can't believe actually. Speaking of the uh, of the spittoon and the and the chaw, I can't believe Skinner, the actual uh, Steve Kern, the actual guy, didn't choke on that shit. I know he's I mean, got I don't, a know ch- he, I don't know what he was. I don't know what he was actually chewing on, or if he was chewing on anything at all. But he had stuff in his mouth, and it was leaking onto his beard. I don't know how he did not <laughs> choke while he was wrestling. It's so true. You can't like swallow that stuff. You'll throw up all over the place. So I don't know what in the fantasy wrestling world context we're supposed to believe he's doing when he can't spit his tobacco. 
um, <laughs> around this time, Bobby Heenan suggests that Skinner is treating this match like he would if he was wrestling an alligator or a lizard, taking Bret apart piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> and, um, uh, Monsoon questions him and he does the, and Heenan does it. You talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You know, he just may be taking him apart. Like you do a lizard or a gator, piece by piece. First goes the wing, then the hook, then the tail. What are you talking about? You talking to me? Yes. What are you talking about? Talking to me? Reverse DDT, the gator breaker, as we mentioned. gator breaker. Gets two for Skinner. That was his move. Um, He then jumps off the middle rope. Brett gets his boot up. Brett rallies. Russian leg sweep. Gets two. Suplex gets two. Backbreaker, middle rope elbow drop. Uh... He, for some reason, is screaming for Skinner to get his hands on the dip. He <laughs> also says, this is like something you see at 3 in the morning on Alligator Alley or in Central Park. This is like something you'd see late at night about 3 in the morning on Alligator Alley or Central Park. <laughs> what? Bobby's out to lunch on this match, man. He's he's on some other <laughs> shit. He's, like, in a different uh, world. Uh Rolling reverse cradle by Skinner off the ropes. Hitman kicks yeah. out. That said Skinner all the way to the floor for some reason. So they just go back in the ring. <laughs> Skinner goes for his own rolling reverse cradle. Um, he blocks one as Brett goes for it. So Hitman crashes, kind of trying to roll backwards with him. Um, so then Skinner climbs up on the ropes. Brett grabs him like Flair, uh, yep. throws him off the top. Sharpshooter, <laughs> tap, it's over. Even in 1991, he was only a few months into his uh, single... Uh, singles wrestling career, and he still put on the best-looking sharpshooter grapevine hold in the business. He still Perfect. does. Perfection. It's yeah, no one does better it better than anybody else. I I'm mean, so sick of seeing like The Rock and these other people try to do it, and it's just—it's so lazy. It's how do you get it wrong shirt. like nine times out of ten? Like nine times, ten times out of ten, perhaps. The Rock does that weird little double. Like it doesn't look hurt. It doesn't look painful. No. You're just basically hanging out, and two of your legs are in the air if you're the opponent. Oh, it's awful. Um, oh, Owen did a good one too. Yeah, but no, I mean, Modify. it just looks perfect when when Brett does it. Because All the every, Brett you know, pulled up on the knee yeah. pad. Yes, yes. The other guys don't yes. pull up on the knee pad; they just rest there with the legs entangled underneath their arm, like you right. hold a football. Right. Brett right. pulls up, and the legs are actually crisscrossed, and Brett's got. Did you notice? Uh, Brett has his arm I'm trying to think how he holds it, but he's got one arm underneath the mm-hmm. opponent's leg. He's locking his hands right to prevent the guy from being able to wiggle out of it. It's That's brilliant. Huge. It's pretty brilliant. So it's over in 1346. Brett retains his championship over Skinner to kick off this Tuesday in Texas. And now pretty good match. Pretty good match. That was it was. Yeah. And that's what I was. You know, I did want to give props to Skinner. Uh, Steve Kern, of course, the guy knew his way around the ring, worked wonderfully here and uh, good stuff. And he was a pretty good he outside of this outside of the Skinner gimmick, he was a good worker. He was renowned for his uh, his uh, in ring uh, prowess. Experience. Prowess, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. JP, guess who's wow. backstage with Sean Mooney at this juncture in the broadcast? Before we get there, okay. Before we get there, I need to set up this match. Okay. Please be my guest. <clears throat> as, I, as, I, as I said before. This may not be the most memorable match in terms of 
technical and you know what we consider to be a good match. Yeah. I, in that in that in that traditional uh, uh, perimeter mm-hmm. parameter. What? Whatever. Parameters. Yeah. Parameters. The feud between these two guys. Jake Roberts. Created, Jake the Snake Roberts. That's right. Let me exp- thank you, Jack. The feud between Jake the Snake Roberts and the Macho Man Randy Savage created some of the most heated moments in the WWE at this time. And actually, if you ask me, of all time. The 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 feud actually kicked off uh, after SummerSlam 91 and the match made in heaven. Following the uh, pay-per-view event, a reception was thrown in the smallest room I've ever seen for a wedding reception. It was like a little box. It was like someone's basement that they painted pink or red or something, right? Well, the Undertaker was there, so that was the basement. <laughs> Oh, it probably was that. That's what it was. Yep. The Undertaker was just waiting there. That's that's why he was there. He was like the reception of, at Joe Louis Arena. Yeah. Get out of get out of my my basement. I want to relax here after uh, you know whatever. He's like a anyway. teenager telling his yeah. mom to leave him alone. <laughs> anyway, during the reception, Elizabeth was opening some of their gifts. I mean, which was kind of weird because it's like a kid's birthday party. Really, I mean, who opens their wedding gifts at the wedding reception? <laughs> It's true. You know, it's I mean, true. who does that? You this isn't wait till everyone goes home and then you open them up in the privacy of the two of you. Shower, reception, put them all together. Yeah, I don't put them all together. And in one of the boxes was a snake that just popped out after she opened the top. And then Jake the Snake Roberts and Undertaker immediately showed up and viciously attacked Randy Savage, the macho groom. Fortunately, Sid Justice was a guest at the wedding and chased the two heels away with a chair. Oh. Huh? With a squeegee. Was it a squeegee? No. We'll talk about it some other time. Oh, God. All right. Fine. Um, Now, normally, in any normal situation, after an angle like that, you'd simply schedule a match and that would would be that. (laughs) But the fun twist here was the fact that Randy Savage had been retired earlier that year at WrestleMania seven at the hands of the ultimate warrior. And so he was unable to compete with Jake in a wrestling match. There was a no compete clause in that the details that they went into were so great. Yes. It's such a shame that there is no attention to detail anymore because this stuff, it makes it real. It makes you buy it. It makes you, it makes you suspend disbelief. If you're sitting there of the posture of trying to find the holes in the logic, it's kind of like how you watch a movie, you know? Like, right, there's right. there's a hole in the storyline there. Oh, now I lost my interest, or that was poorly done. Right. If you sit there and try to do that in the storyline, you're not going to find anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So instead of having a wrestling match, Jake taunted the shit out of Savage for the next months through promos, playing mind games, and other uh, 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 tactics uh, with the monarch, as I called him, of the kingdom of the madness. And this would lead... Oh, this would lead to one of the most memorable moments I can recall in wrestling. Uh, I actually didn't see it when it actually happened. I wasn't even watching wrestling at the time it actually happened, and I only witnessed it through recaps and replays. But nonetheless, on the November 23rd edition of the Superstars of Wrestling... Mm-hmm. Before I'd even started watching the product, Jake was cutting one of his demonic promos against Savage. Savage was um, 
on the commentary table with uh, Piper, Roddy Piper, and Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. And Sa- and Jake had just won a match against a jobber, and so he was cutting a promo now against Savage because he'd been taunting him since the wedding. And this one finally brought Savage into the ring. Find it on YouTube. Unfortunately, they don't have this on the network yet, um, but find it on YouTube. Just Randy Savage. I don't want to spoil it. I'll, I'll get it to you later. Um, but um, the, the, the close-ups on Savage are amazing. Mm. It's I, I, He's angry. He's furious. Seething. He, right. You can see it. This is real. Mm-hmm. They don't like each other. I'm that convinced even now. Yes. It's amazing stuff. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, the, Savage finally, he leaves his spot. The crowd goes crazy. He goes to the ring and Savage is about to get in the ring. And when a ref grabs his leg cause, to prevent him from entering since because he's retired and he can't go into the ring. Logic. Logic there. Mm-hmm. He can't go in the ring or he'll lose his job as an announcer because right. he can't compete. Mm-hmm. It's just logic. It's amazing. And so Roberts pounces and knocks Savage down. And uh, ultimately, Ro- Jake the Snake Roberts ties Randy Savage into the ropes. And then it got real. Jake went, uh, for those of you, in case you don't remember uh, or don't know, um, Jake the Snake Roberts used to always bring a snake with him. That was his gimmick. And so, and this this time was no different. So Jake went and got his snake bag, which didn't hold Damien, because Earthquake had sat on Damien and killed him earlier in the year. <laughs> yep, that's right. He killed him. Nor did it hold Lucifer, Jake's new python. Ooh, it didn't hold was... Lucifer, you son of <laughs> no, a bitch. Not... I thought you were going to say Lucifer. Uh-huh. Nope. It contained one of the most feared snakes in the world, a king cobra. Mm -hmm. Jake picked up the cobra and brought it over to Savage where it began to gnaw and (laughs) feed on Savage's left forearm. They had a close-up of the snake, the snake's mouth wrapped around Savage's locked. You tell me it's not real. Try lacing those boots. Mm hmm. And someone I, someone at home saying, Oh, he knows how to oh, fight. Oh, Give me oh, a break. Oh, come on. It's fake. It's fake that the Savage is a real snake. Oozing a... blood. Mm hmm. As, the, as the, obviously the devenomized King Cobra is yep. eating his arm. You're going to tell me he bladed his arm somehow? Right, underneath, that, as it was tied up. I had never oh seen anything so crazy in my 10 years of life. If someone did that in 2014 on TV, people would still be like, oh my God, I can't. It's like a Chris Angel stunt, you know? The, 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 the snake will bite me now. You, because you know what? At this point, mm-hmm. there was only one thing running through my mind. How could this be fake? Right. And that's what it's about, friends. Be fake. If it leads there to was, a match, that's hmm? what you want, is that that emotion. An illusion. Mm-hmm. But I totally bought it. I watch it now. And I, I mean, because you, yep. even if you think of it. This all holds up. Mm-hmm, even if you think of it 
as a fan who knows how this shit works, there's still a snake chewing on a guy's arm. Mm -hmm. The teeth are there. He's bleeding. There's unless the snake had a blood capsule in its mouth. Unless the snake was working. Else, right, yeah, Did the snake have an earpiece in too, like the ref? Is Vince <laughs> talking to the snake? Say universe, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the snake to say universe, and all he says is. <laughs> all he says is trust me. Vince is tipping over, catering uh, at the gorilla position. <laughs> Roberts, then this is great, and this is this is another testament to the brilliance of Jake the Snake Roberts. During this, as the I snake is fighting oh. on arm, Roberts slaps Savage. Yes, yes, he slaps him as this man is con. Continuing to being eaten alive by a snake. Now, finally, uh, uh, Roddy Piper, like I said, who had been doing commentary with Savage and McMahon during this episode of Superstars, he comes down and he breaks it up. But I'll tell you, the damage was done. That's correct. The damage was done. Wrestling was no longer about two guys fighting to get a victory. It was about two guys fighting to stay alive. Yes. It was about... Two guys mm -hmm. who were going to try to kill each other until only one man was left. Yep. I didn't know. I thought I might. This is this is why I got nervous watching um, that that the the replay of of this match we're going to talk about in a few minutes because I thought someone was going to die. I thought they were going to show a death on wrestling television. Mm -hmm. That's how great this was. Um, uh, uh, Savage was selling this tremendously, by the way, between facial expressions, his physical reactions. It was unbelievable. He was completely delirious and weak. Yes. Swinging punches, missing, falling to the ground. Nobody, I mean, nobody knew what to make of it. They, 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 they even showed a shot of a five-year-old kid crying right. miserably. Right. Now, I thought that Skinner had just come into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, contrast this with the just look of complete befuddlement mm. on the face of people at the Halloween Havoc while Abby got fried. You no, know what I mean? It's seriously. like there is nothing cartoonish about this. If I explained it to you and you no. didn't know what it was, you might think it's cartoonish. But I'm telling you, friends, yep. this is gritty. This is yep. this is yep. ether this, this is real. This is visceral. I mean. The way that we're building it up, it'll probably it'll probably be so disappointing for anybody who goes. I don't care. This, but I still have it, and I'll, that's all I'll that matters. This, I'll say this: watch it, mm -hmm. then watch it again, and then watch it again. Get the get the build up that we've just made it out of your system, and just watch it. Yep. Watch it until you realize what's going on. You know, it's 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 like um, when the Dark Knight came out, and everybody was talking about that brilliant uh, Heath Ledger performance yep. as the Joker. I saw the movie. I was like, it was fine. It was fine. I watched it again. I noticed some different things. I was like, wait a minute. Wow, that's actually pretty good what he did there. I watched it again. And I said, oh, wow, there's some great stuff in there. Oh, look at that little detail. Just keep watching the stuff again and again and again. There are times when wrestlers click, and then there are times like this. This was beyond clicking. This was completely, uh, amazingly 
organic situation that just happened to happened to come about because of Ultimate Warrior leaving right. that happened to come about because Sid Justice got injured and couldn't fe- and couldn't wrestle for a little while. This was com- this was the stars aligning and creating something that was so magical, that was so amazing. You c- it, 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 you're drooling yeah. from this stuff. Um, he kept uh, McMahon. McMahon actually was even great on his commentary. Oh, yeah. He kept saying stuff like, "Oh, this is not supposed to happen. I don't think that Snoke was devenomized. Damn it! I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think that Snake was devenomized. <laughs> it's great. He's devenomized? No, he's not. He's not. I yeah. thought he was. <laughs> One, two, no, he got him. He's got him. He's got him. He's got him. He's got him. Don't sneeze. <laughs> now, following this event, the two cut promos on each other at the Survivor Series show uh, six days before, prior. And then this match was signed. And so we pick up. With Sean Mooney, yep. with Jake, the Snake, Roberts. Mm-hmm. Well, the stipulations, as laid out by Jack Tunney, no reptiles allowed in the ring or at ringside during the course of this match. That's abundantly clear because of the horrific scene JP just outlined on Superstars. No reptiles at ringside for this Roberts Savage collision. It is a great bit here. I mean, anything. I mean, honestly, I could, I could, I could drop in. The entire, um, the entire promo. It's a great audio drop, without a doubt. Yeah, it's but fantastic, fantastic there, there, promo. There, there are a couple moments that really jumped out at me. I'm sure you've got a few too. Oh yeah. One for me was where Jake, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, accuses Jack Tunney of helping him to learn to lie and to cheat. And steal. He says, when I was brought into this world, I could not rob, mm-hmm. I could not steal, oh my God. I could not lie, I couldn't even cheat, but boy, did I have help learning. When I was brought into this world, I could not rob, I could not steal, I could not lie, I couldn't even cheat, but boy, did I have some help learning. He says that this is going to be Jack Tunney's fault. It's almost like he's saying like... Yes. You're going to take the snake away from me? Fine. You don't realize the degree to which that snake actually contains me, soothes me, prevents me from truly going off the edge. You want to see what happens when you come between me and my snake? Yep. I'm not going to be responsible. This is on you, Jack Tunney. He says, it's cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. Randy Savage, the last time I seen you, you were flailing like some helpless child, drowning. Oh, my God. And then he says, he talks about his snake. He talks about the snake chewing on Randy Savage's arm. And he says it this way, as only Jake Roberts would say it, for some time, he did chew. (sighs) Ah. There, there, there are, there are wrestlers who cannot talk. Right. There are wrestlers who can talk. There are wrestlers who are great at talking. And then there is Jake the Snake Roberts. And then there are wrestling poets, Mm -hmm. savants, wordsmiths. I mean, he has just about no equal. When it comes to his type of promos, you know, what? 
he, no one did it like that. Uh, uh-uh. Ra- Raven tried. Yep. But God it, help him. It's... There again. There's there's an understanding. There was a. There's nobody else who was able to weave together the English language and wrestling mm-hmm. as seamlessly yep. as Jake the Snake Roberts. What he, I don't know, I mean, you probably know better than I do. Did he, was this off the, off just off the top of his head? Yeah. Or was this, um, was any yeah, of this no, really? No scripts, um, no scripts. Now, bullet points, ideas of a direction, right, lights on, go. These men, that was part of your training. You had to know how to sell a match when the light went on. And if you didn't know how to do it, your market share was that much less. This wasn't some freaking game where we set you up with lines because we see the the raw material of a guy. You know, it's like part of the skills you brought to the table was being able to talk off the cuff. And that's why these promos back then are so goddamn memorable because these guys are just stream of consciousness all the time and they yeah. have pride in what they're saying they they yeah. want you know they they don't want to come off as phony in their interviews they don't <laughs> want their interviews to come off as you know some kind of like you know predetermined direction for a storyline they want it to come out as they're just you know they're just they're just, re- they're just reacting they're yes. reacting to what's going on around them it's it's real uh, yeah i mean it's method you know, for use it for lack of a better term it's it's real it's like okay here is this guy who's playing the character Jake the Snake Roberts, and he is being given the freedom. He is being given the freedom to create his character and to say stuff that he, only he knows his character would say. What a rush he got up and down his back as he saw Elizabeth watch Jake be eaten by his snake, oh saw her, her small pupils. Anything I do out there, you, Jack Tunney, have given me the right to do. You have pulled the trigger. Anything I do is your fault. Snake in the corner. Trust me. Trust me. We then cut to Randy Savage with me. I want to say uh, just one little uh, note here. Please. When, uh, as I said before, um, where he, he he suggests that uh, Jack Tunney helped uh, Jake to learn how to lie, cheat, and steal, I yep. was wondering if uh, Tubby also helped Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. you think? You think <laughs> there have been, a, you know, as we've done these lapsed fans, there have been a few instances where, uh, you know, phrases I thought to be original when they came yeah. along 50 yeah. years down the pike, were actually yeah. said nope. off-the-cuff throwaway lines back, even way back then. Um, uh, Savage is insane. Oh, my God. How good is he at that? Savage is insane. This is this is a tremendous promo. Not necessarily for content, um, but for the raw emotion. Yes. yes. It, this, this is why what they did was so believable and why the feud was so great. I totally bought that these guys hated each other. And that Savage would act this way if someone really was threatening his yep. wife. Yep. It didn't come off yeah, as hokey. Right. It came right. off as, you know, that that's the thing about the dynamic between Jake Roberts and, and Randy Savage. The way it played out, it activated the absolute most believable parts of their characters. It's a shame that... Um, it's a shame that Roberts was gone in um, after WrestleMania eight mm-hmm. because I would have loved to have seen 
I mean, I they weren't doing that many pay-per-views, I suppose, at the time, so you, you really probably couldn't get it because I'm sure they wanted their money match out of Savage and Warrior while they could. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to have seen Savage and Jake finally culminate this feud on a pay-per-view. Yeah. They did it on Saturday night's main event in February of 92, but they never got their real big pay-per-view blow-off right. as they deserved. And they were going towards uh, Savage beating Flair and becoming champion at that point in time. So yeah. a detour. Um, so Savage is with Gene. Liz is looking terrified. Mm-hmm. Savage vows mm-hmm. to crush him with his elbow. I'm going to get the rush there, waiting to see the love and admiration fall from Elizabeth's eyes as I avenge her trauma. And uh, he's got a date with Destiny. Yep. So we hit the music. Jake's walking to the ring. How great is Jake's heel music? <sighs> Uh, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. It's a, it's great too because it um, it uh, it cues back to stays true to his old music. Mm-hmm. There's a little, there's a little bit of a uh, of a phrase from his old theme that comes into play, but the main theme is just so much slimier yes. than um than it used to be. So and, he's walking to the ring and he gets attacked. Oh, I love it. Savage, Savage comes bursting out of the locker again, room. Again, it's real. These guys hate each other. Sav- Jake the Snake Roberts has threatened uh, uh, Savage's wife as well as Savage's manhood and and, and his disrupted life. his happy and his life With a and damn snake. Uh, and disrupted and disrupted his happiness. Mm-hmm. And J- and so Savage does not wait for his music to hit. Savage jumps Jake from behind and the crowd goes nuts. <laughs> yes. Savage does exactly what oh. a man would do the second he got eyes on the guy who did this to him in his mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Yes. I would not wait for my music to no. hit. No. And I would not wait for the referee <laughs> to call for the bell and all of this. Nope. Never. And so it's on. Savage is going to work, going nuts with punches. Um, Keep in mind, too, just this little thing. Mm-hmm. This is Savage's first match after being reinstated. My man has been reinstated. They make that clear mm-hmm. on, the, on the commentary, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake eventually gets the idea to start working on the bitten arm, which is wrapped oh, on Savage. My. Brilliant. I, again, again, it's these details that are so important mm-hmm. and are so and make it that and, and takes it to that next level that's right jake works the bandaged arm and the wound begins to bleed Oof. as he rips off a layer of the bandage you see a blood stain i, I mean they wouldn't even think of doing that now no, they wouldn't think that of going little, to that, that that much trouble. That, they wouldn't even do blood. So that, half, right. half of what made this thing amazing, not half, you know, a good amount of what made this thing amazing wouldn't even be on the table these days because, you know, we don't do blood because, you know, Kmart will be mad. I mean, but it's not even blood. It's like, it's it's a marker. Yeah. You know, I mean. They, oh, right. You know, when you look at it from a realistic point of view, I mean, if you want, I don't want to take anyone out of this match, but if you're going to look at it from a realistic point of view, you're going to tell me that a snake bite from two weeks before still is still bleeding bleed. yeah. or prone to bleed by that. I'm willing to accept it. I am too, because, because it creates the emotion. It makes me feel unsafe. Yes. Yes. Like the wheels have come off. Like there is some degree of chaos here that there really is no order. It's, it's that, you know, whenever you have, uh, 
uh, match with a guy who's got his ribs taped, mm-hmm. and th- and then the tape comes off, and you get nervous because his ribs are exposed. <laughs> it's that, you get but nervous. <laughs> you get, get, that's so but, funny. But you, but it's that, but up, but kicked up a notch mm-hmm. because you see blood, you see damage. Yes, you can't see the ribs. You can't, unless it was poking out of his chest or whatever. Heenan offers a bit of levity. He says, uh, if Savage had stayed single, he wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. I'm realizing as I'm looking at my notes right now, I didn't write a single piece of commentary. Yeah, you just, you just so I was so involved. That's a sign of a good thing. Mm -hmm. You actually get mad that you have to toggle to another window to write a note. Yep. I was so involved. I literally only wrote, um... I, I did play by play for the most part. Sure. You know, yeah. I free Dave Hebner dodging a bullet. That's kind of a fun spot. He's yeah. he's in the corner and there's like a dosi do on the Irish whip and yep. I think it's Jake comes charging at the ref in the corner. You think, Oh god, ref bump and then no, they were setting it up for the ref to do basically a dive out of the way. Yeah. Kind of a fun spot to establish the chaotic nature of the match. Absolutely. Uh, uh, earlier on too, this is there's the moment where I <laughs> was watching this on TV and I had to run away. Because I was so nervous. I'll tell you, I know, right? It's crazy. Jake, uh, it, it was when Jake threw Savage's head into the steel post. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know that using the post was such a common thing at the time. Yeah. I'd only been watching wrestling regularly for a week or two. So when I saw that, I was like, that's not, he can't do that. Hmm. He can't do, that's a, that's like a weapon. That's 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 just part of the ring. He can't do that. Oh I got I got I, I got to leave. I I don't know what's going to happen. There is afraid, so much great stuff. I'm afraid stuff. Savage is going to die. There's so much stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about where we're going with this. Oh my god. It feels like we've oh. already established this we've spent all of our time getting excited about the thing the, the prior angle with the snake folks, fight. Folks, listen to me right now. The match isn't isn't it's a six-minute match. Begins. It's a six-minute match, and then business picks up. So short-arm clotheslines. He goes for a DDT. Yep. Uh, Jake always yep. set up the, the DDT with the short-arm clothesline. But Savage pushes him into the corner while he's in the DDT position, hurting his yep. ribs. Uh, Jake sells the ribs big, so that sets up the elbow. Savage comes off the top, nails it. One, two, three. I, I, loved, I loved, by the way, that it was, it was not a – it was out of nowhere. Yes. The elbow. It, it wasn't was. a – a planned okay setup. It was more real because it was like Savage has the opportunity. Wait a minute, he's down. I'm gonna go up and do it because because Jake wasn't in the perfect position mm-hmm. when he delivered the elbow. It right. looked messy. uncomfortable. I was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, it was messy. It was like, uh, but it it was great because it it felt real. It did. Very real. And he gets he gets the victory. The heat is tremendous. And per what a guy would do, right? Did. That you wouldn't be satisfied with just pinning a guy nope. in a wrestling match. Savage nope. goes to ringside, goes nuts, grabs a chair, grabs the bell. He's going to yep. hurt this man. Referee grabs the bell from Savage, trying to stop him from using it. Jake sneaks in, DDT, and the fun begins, J.P. Sorrow. And that's – Savage wanted to kill Jake the Snake Roberts. He did. The DDT came out of nowhere, and what's great is that – Jake did that out of desperation. Yes, exactly. He's he very vulnerable at this point because his he ribs are a hurt. Bullet. He lost the match. Yes. He he and and after the DDT, it's not like he just got up and was fine. He was still selling his injuries. Right. He had to crawl over the turnbuckle and take a breather. Mm-hmm. 
And then he does the great, oh, anybody who's seen, I don't know if he did it as much as a face, but specifically as a heel, when he would be in the corner mm-hmm. and then he'd up. grab the top rope and pull himself up and he goes over and he hits a second DDT. Oh my God. And Savage is dead. It's... This one was not out of desperation. This one was vindictive. This was mad. This one had mm-hmm, this one had something behind it. Body and language then, incredible. Oh yeah. And then Jake goes outside the ring. He's done. He's done. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's out of here. That SOB, here. he beat me, but you know mm-hmm. what? I taught him a lesson. I'm going to get out of here now, and I'm going to go lick he's my like, wounds. Jake says, I, Jake is basically saying, I got the last laugh, yep. except he wants to laugh one more time. Yes, that's correct. He Gets goes a big back, smirk stops, on his face, doesn't he? He goes, mm-hmm, and he goes back to the ring. Yes. And he, there was no snake at ringside. Yeah. But there was a snake under the ring. He points to the apron in the corner. Mm-hmm. He says, look, the, the rules were no snake on the apron. And he says yep. into the camera, the camera picks up the audio. It never was there, Tunny. Oh, and he goes, un- he picks up the apron and grabs a black bag, just like the, the, the King Cobra bag that he had two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And now at this point, the stakes get even higher. Elizabeth. Yes. Runs out. Protect her man. She comes out to protect her husband and pleads, pleads with Jake to leave Savage alone. Even Hebner says Jake's done enough. Yes. Loud and clear. Even the ref is like, all right, that's it. You're done. Exactly. Stop it. Exactly. It's not hokey. It's like a guy that's saying, look, will you knock it off? You know, like I'm used to wrestling where, where the bad guy attacks the good guy afterwards. But okay, we get it. Stop. And then, <laughs> with Elizabeth in the ring, cowering, cowering over, horrified, savage. frozen in terror, mm-hmm. she was Jake, damn good too in this. Yes, she was. She did a great job. Jake grabs Randy Savage, hooks him in. The, what's great in this one too, because Savage has already suffered two DDTs. Yes. He has to like pick him up. Savage can't move. Savage is out. And so he has to like drag him to his Limp feet. body into mm-hmm. position. He gets him in there. And then Jake, you got to watch it to really understand the power of it. Jake is yelling at Elizabeth to look at me. He points at his face and says, look into my eyes. Yes. Look at me. Yes. Look at yes. me. Look at me. Yes, and Jake. then he is, he is feeding he is feeding off <laughs> of her fear. Feeding off of her fear. Feed him and then, more. <laughs> and then he hits a third DDT and Savage is dead. He hits the DDT mm. without ever taking his eyes off Elizabeth's eyes. Yep. Yep. He looks at her, and even after yep. impact, he gets up like, you see that? Did you see that? I saw it. Looking right in her eyes, and then he gets the damn snake, Jake, and I'll tell you, JP, the people on. scream like oh. there's a real live yep. gunman in the building, okay? Yep. yep. Jake asks Elizabeth if she really loves Randy Savage. Oh, you be still my heart. I can't take this shit. Before before putting on a glove, I, I actually wasn't sure. Is it a coal miner's glove? Is that, is that... 
Or is it a biker's? No, it's a biker chain. Sorry, not a biker's glove. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> and then he reaches into the black bag, but he doesn't pull anything out. Then, oh, son of a bitch, son of a bitch, he goes. He uh, Elizabeth is back down over Savage's dead body. Not literally dead. Hogan's dead. Hulkamania is dead. But Savage looks like he's dead. Jake lowers himself to her and just is yelling, beg, damn it. Yes. You want to save his ass? You better start begging now. Beg, damn it. You want to save his ass? You better start begging now. (laughs) We're going to get arrested. (laughs) Jake grabs elizabeth oh my god hair. he grabs a hand right. a fist now, of her hair now it, what, what, what's amazing is this okay and we've we all of us who are you who are listening to this show you guys know you've seen matches where a guy hits a woman you've seen hogan hit sherry you've seen you know we've all seen this mm-hmm. the power here is in between is is that this is different yes this is not an over-the-top, choreographed, no. like, bump. It's not silly. It's right. not circus-like. Right. These guys hate each other. It's not slapstick. And now, and now Jake has grabbed Elizabeth by the hair. This tender, tender, this, precious yes. being. A demure woman. Yes. The wife of this man who you have just tormented and beaten to a bloody pulp. He grabs her by the hair and he points at her. Oh my God! He points at her. He points directly at her face, and they're then they're not, and they're not far apart. I mean, they're really close. And then smacks her. Oh my God! Basically, punches her. He stomps yeah. the mat like yeah, he if you were stop. punching like, a wrestler. He, he he decks her. Oh my God! He decks her. Oh. He decks her in 1991. He mm-hmm. decks her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, I, and I'm telling you, it's it's some of the most powerful, powerful storytelling that uh, has ever been in wrestling. And I'll say that. I'll, I'll go out. I will. And I'll defend that statement. Remember back because... in Kuwait when they did this with Michaels and Jericho, where Michaels had his mm-hmm. at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. he had his wife in the ring. Jericho yep. lunges yep. at Michaels. He sidesteps and nails Michael's wife, it was like, oh my God, it was a, an incredible angle. Yep. It just and, felt so much more real in the context of all the hokey hokiness that was going on in wrestling at the mm-hmm. time. This was not a mistake. Yep. The heel did not accidentally knock out the wife of the baby face. Oh. He grabbed her by the hair in 1991 and punched her in the cheek. Okay. The, I am fell, not saying. She dropped and she dropped. Holding like her face. Rock. Holding her face. Not knocked out. Holding her face like, I can't believe you did that. No. Kind of, and it's, and you know, look, I am not, contrary to the tone of our voice, deriving pleasure from the idea no. of a man no. striking a woman. What I'm doing is appreciating how it's, it's like seeing a battered wife in a movie where you right. know there's going to be a comeback. I was when I saw this as a ten-year-old kid. I was horrified. Horrified, absolutely this was scary. How hit of my hit in my stomach? Where's the line? Yes, exactly. What is this Jake Roberts going to do? 
How? And again, where is Jack Tunney? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, right. Seriously. Where the hell is Jack Tunney? The question again. This is what I ask myself. How can this be fake? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a success to me. Bro. You, Sounds like money. I Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I asked myself that question watching wrestling. Amen. It's been it's been at least fifteen years. Well, there's no there's no accounting for being a kid too when this happens. Oh, that's true. Absolutely. You know, there there you know you you believe a lot more when you're ten years old versus when you're thirty three. I'll give you that. But but even watching it now, now again, still more realistic than anything you see. It absolutely is because there's up. logic. I yeah. So, Gorilla so, says, um, yeah. Gorilla says that Jake should be suspended for life. Oh, wouldn't that be expelled then? <laughs> yeah. Suspend is the wrong verb. Gorilla yeah, tries. Right. He, they do great too on commentary. They, you know, they're, they're poking fun at each other the whole show. They're making jokes. You know, they're doing their whole shtick and they both Heenan and Gorilla stop messing around. Although Heenan does say, um, at one point and it is money, um, you know, that, Basically, you know, don't you think Gorilla like jumps down his throat because Heenan starts talking about how Jake never broke the rules. He just bent them a bit, kind of praising him for, you know, that that loophole about not actually having the snake there yeah. uh, in yeah. violation of Jack Tunney's rules. And Gorilla goes off on him. Do you think he should be – don't you think rather he should be barred forever for striking Elizabeth Heenan? That's not my decision. He wipes his hands of it. That's how like <sighs> weaselly he is too. You know, he's in concert. He's not part of the conspiracy of what happened, but he's right, part of the right. problem. He's he's a symptom right. of this crazy right. mania that's taken over the WWF and and just the the the, the you know the coming down of all walls. Yeah. And so Elizabeth is nursing the side of her face. Jake gets out of there. No snake in the bag the whole time. Um, and she's tending to Savage. And Savage is just being you know, brought up. And I'll be damned, JP, while they bring the WWF officials that come to tend to Savage and lift him and peel him up off the mat after yeah. those DDTs. They're carrying him on their shoulders, you know, on his shoulders, you know, two arms around the shoulders of two guys on both sides of him and he you can tell he's coming to and he's looking at elizabeth and he, he, the cobwebs are beginning to clear and he, he can tell something's wrong something yeah. happened but he's trying to but piece it together because he's too foggy whoa, whoa, he whoa. doesn't know what happened yet and he doesn't know and that more than anything we just described is the money here because the question isn't can you believe that the question lingers because we want to know what will Macho Man do when exactly. he out. What's going to happen now? That's the money. When he finds out, and that boils, that simmers because he's been knocked out. So we don't know how long yep. it's going to take for him to get word or you know have Elizabeth. Ex- you can tell Elizabeth is withholding. She's horrified at what he'd do if she explained yeah. right there and there what happened. And that's the di- – again, that's another difference between – I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll I'll put it out there, between good wrestling and bad wrestling. Mm. Good wrestling leaves me asking the question every single time a show ends: What's gonna happen now? That's right. That's right. Bad wrestling. What we watch week to week, 2014. <laughs> right. And that's why we're proudly lapsed. I'll never forget. <laughs> I will tell you, I remember the the last time I was time. in that when I well, huh? The lapsed time. The la- <laughs> Yes, the lapsed time. 
that I was truly in that. Mm-hmm. My God, what's going to happen now was um, NWO. Uh, no, 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 no. It was actually more recent than that. Uh, uh, it was when um, after uh, Randy Orton uh, uh, retained the belt at WrestleMania. I don't remember what. I think it might have, must have been. Must have been two thousand eight. The three way with Triple H and Cena. Three way. The Floyd. And when he did, when he declared when he when he declared the age of Orton. Yes. Because then. There was, because JBL wanted a match with mm. Randy Orton. Mm. Suddenly, everybody, all these intersecting stories yeah. were happening, and I didn't know where things were going to go. Yep. And I was like, "What is going to happen? This is great. This is." And then it sucked again. It sucked again. But no, anyway, they so, cut back to Jake. Jake's oh. in the back with Gene. Gene is beside himself. Gene plays his role beautifully. Just disgusted. You know, mm-hmm. doing his job, got to hold a microphone to this creep's face, but I can't believe he's in my presence. And Jake says, no man wants a woman that's going to lay down and grovel and beg oh. for someone's life. I want her to stand up and be that. Be what I, I want. want. No man wants a woman that's going to lay down and grovel and beg for somebody's life. If it's a woman that I want, I want her to stand up. Stand up and be that. Be what I want. He is fantasizing about about make uh, breaking elizabeth down so he can build her back up to his liking he says jake says the best feeling that he's ever had was when he slapped elizabeth (laughs) oh baby oh he says it's so good that he should have to pay for that exactly He says that if he and Savage ever cross paths again, that he wants Savage to bring Elizabeth. He says, and I quote, say it, I'm begging you, please bring her back. Let me touch her again. I could cultivate her into something I could want. I could do that. Trust me. Trust me. Please bring her back. Let me touch her again. Oh, get out of here. Please, Robert. I can cultivate her into something that even I could want. Oh, please. Huh? I could do that. Trust me. Trust me. I, okay. Okay. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I, uh, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. And again, please, don't, don't think of it as, we think what he says is beautiful. It's the fact that he had the gumption, yep. the guts to say that, to bring it to his character, and the fact that he made it so believable that I cannot see the distinction between what is real and what is not. Electric. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's the difference. Not that I enjoy, I mean, please, what he says is disgusting. But the fact that he... And in a wrestling show, that he had the gall to take it to that level. Oh my God! He after he says that too, he crosses his heart and grins. Jake the Snake Roberts, an all-time legend. Mm-hmm. Next up, one of the British kind. Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, against the Warlord. <laughs> Man, to have this spot. That sucks. WrestleMania rematch, baby. Gorilla's still hung up on what just happened in the beginning of this match. Still can't oh, yeah. stop talking about Jake's 
heinousness. Um, and and in Heenan goes, something tragic is going to happen to Jake the Snake Roberts. Something tragic, okay? Like, you know, basically that Savage is going to get a gun. Yeah, right. He right, says, get the right. police. Bobby Heenan says, get the police. Yes, he does. How great he is that? He does. Because the police never get involved. You know, it's like in wrestling, every now and then, like a baby face will get arrested and it'll be an angle. But like they never actually have to call the cops, like the right. local police, because it gets that out of hand. You know? Well, it's, it, still, it's still a sport of sorts. It's still correct. competition. So it's, it's okay. Right. You can, you, can, you can waffle a guy with a steel chair, but it's okay. Because it's a sport, and they're competing in the ring. A competition where occasionally wrestlers break, <laughs> break into each other's houses and hold them up with guns. <laughs> right, or they occasionally fall from the rafters and die. So, right. Um, so these, these are that... two of the strongest men in the world here, JP. <laughs> Davey Boy and Warlord. I want to say, say, first of all, I like that they're having a rematch from one of the shortest matches in WrestleMania history. Hey, amen their, to their, that, yeah. Their Mania 7 match was like two minutes. And not only that, but Bulldog won very decisively. <laughs> well, they're back. Do you know they're, these two are great friends in real life? Really? Real, yeah. did not know that. Really good friends, yep. Interesting. Well, that's kind of fun. That I mean, they do, they they good match. do look like they enjoy working together. Right. You know, uh, I will say that. Um, question for you. Hmm. When and how... Did Slick turn the contract for the Warlord over to Harvey Whippleman? Mm. Sometime around the middle of 91, I feel like. Because he was his manager I, at WrestleMania, right? Slick, Slick. Slick was, yeah. Right. Right. And I think Slick was at SummerSlam, too. Oh. So I, I'm, I'm just wondering, who is Harvey Whippleman? He's some guy. I have the feeling... And let, let, let's, let's research this as we talk. That he, He's one of these guys who's actually like from Connecticut and is like kind of like Fink in that he's like an East Coast lifelong WWF fan. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Okay. And was going on all mean, the shows and everything. And He's just an odd choice. I mean, he's he's an odd looking guy. He's an yeah. odd choice for a manager. Sure is. And I, I'm just like, I, I, he's he's on par with Jameson. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if anybody out there listening remembers Jameson, but he was some odd guy that briefly managed the Bushwhackers, but also was just kind of there. Right. Jameson was like Doink the Clown before they made him a wrestler. You know, he just was, he would appear at events and it was odd. It was really weird. Whippleman at one point looks into the camera, blows smoke out of his cigar, which there's no smoke there. He goes... <laughs> You bunch of idiots, Lord, Lord, and oh, Lord, 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 and Harvey Whippleman are the best team in the WWF. That's the best he could come up with. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how does this guy get work? I mean, and not only that, he worked for four more years. Yeah, he's, he's been around forever. He's still involved. He's still around Is the company. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah, he's oh. a road agent, and uh, he he works on the t- TV tapings. And um... Is that his real name? Uh, no, his, his real name is Bruno Lauer. He once worked as downtown Bruno in Memphis. He was a manager oh of... Oh, my God. Well, either way, both names suck. He came in... You know, he man, he managed Sid in Memphis. I wonder if Sid called in a favor. He well, managed he, Sid before Sid came to uh, WCW. And then and then, and then, then Sid... Uh, he managed Sid when Sid turned heel in, yeah. in beginning of 92. Interesting. I bet there's your answer. Yeah, Sid called in a favor. Um, so anyway... 
this is two of the strongest men in the world, as they point out on commentary. Um, Warlord is getting advice from that piece of garbage Harvey Wilkins. <laughs> Gorilla said. Gorilla just gets lazy, goes back to 87, and calls it the irresistible force beating the immovable uh, object. He says that about every single big man match. Bulldog goes for a plancha, JP. He slingshots oh, off the ropes to the guys. floor at 289, all gassed. <laughs> All gassed out. He gets all juiced up. He gets caught. I imagine him like I imagine him. If you if you take a pin, you could just he just pop. You know. <laughs> Did you ever notice that Warlord had a W stenciled into the back of his hair, his head? Yes. I noticed Sadly, that. Sadly, yes. So it, it, now he's just what, like an what, S what's of the v. Um, second coming of who again? <laughs> no, the, the first coming of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <First coming. laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I even wrote down that at one point, Bulldog ties Stone Cold, uh, I mean the, the Warlord, <laughs> up and starts pounding on him. You piece of trash. <laughs> a missile drop kick from Bulldog, taking a page out of his partner Dynamite Kid's playbook, comes yeah. off the top at his weight and size. Um, Bulldog at one point misses a dive, causing Heenan to say, it's obvious that Bulldog used to do a lot of riding. Side saddle. It's obvious the British Bulldog used to do a lot of riding. Side sound. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> oh, how about this? Bear hug and a beauty. <laughs> Did he say bear hug and a beauty? Yes. Uh, bear hug and a beauty uh, from the warlord. Um, so this is, uh, Heenan says this is the best fight they've ever had in Texas at one point. <laughs> warlord. <laughs> Uh, you know, Davey White goes over for the sunset flip. He's trying to pull down the legs. Warlord drops to his knees to cover him and then flexes his arms, like holds his arms up in the muscle pose. So, of course, that's the perfect opening to actually get the legs under Warlord's yeah. arm and pull him down into the sunset flip. 4-2. This, this might have been um, actually during uh, during that bear hug. But at one point, yep. Heenan, uh, Bobby Heenan makes a claim that the bulldog is a quitter. And Monsoon goes, what, bulldog is a quitter? And he says, yes, the Bulldog is a quitter. Whippleman told me so. <laughs> He's a broadcast journalist. I, I love, well, I, what I love is that Heenan gets information from heels. Right. Not watching tape, <laughs> not looking at stats, not doing the research. No, he just asks a heel or a heel manager, and that's where his facts come from. <laughs> Makes sense. He talked to his friends, essentially. This, this is another installment of what I mentioned earlier, Gorilla's preoccupation with submission holds not properly. Oh, applied. he goes nuts over that damn uh, full, Nelson. Uh, full Nelson. Warlord's got a full Nelson on Bulldog for a long while, wearing him down, but he doesn't have his hands locked. They're <laughs> kind of like spaced out on and both resting on Davy Boy's head, the back of his head. And, um, you know... <laughs> Monsoon's just saying it's not applied properly. What is his problem? There's distance between his hands, and and Heenan goes, I don't see him fighting it. (laughs) Thank you, Heenan, for actually having a little bit of Jesse Ventura logic going on there. Is this the best Um, Warlord match you've ever seen? uh, Oh, yeah, easily. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe one of the... um, uh, powers of pain matches with demolition might might be good. This I'll is the most I've ever seen him do in a wrestling match. This oh absolutely he goes he's up done, for the done... long delayed vertical. Oh yeah, he's he did a. I mean, now you mentioned that the bulldog and the warlord were actually good friends. It makes sense. These yep. guys were doing a lot for each other in this match. Um, I gotta say though, the bulldog's haircut at this time so stupid. He's I, he's got. <laughs> I, the bangs that he was sporting during the, the full Nelson bit, I actually thought he was the same bimbo who Bret Hart gave his glasses oh, to. Oh, Jesus. There it is. 
<laughs> Stitch it back. Nicely done. Um, power slam attempt by Bulldog. His patent power slam out of the corner. Um, Warlord grabs yeah. the rope, sends up on top of him, gets to Bulldog, pops up, hits the rope, gets whipped into the ropes. Hold on, no, hold on. No, when, he's, when, Bull, when, when Warlord's beaten on the Bulldog, uh, 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 <laughs> Heenan says, bring out the flea and tick spray. It's time to give him a bath. He's tamed. Bring out the flea and tick spray. It's time to give him a bath. He's tamed. <laughs> There's a mouthful, Bobby. He was yeah, man. All right. He was walking around all day backstage, jotting that oh, one out. Boy. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, uh, Bulldog gets uh, shot off, gets the crucifix, and pulls down yeah. Warlord into the one, two, three. I love how Bulldog works as like a junior heavyweight, even though he's like 289 pounds. You know? Even though he's 300 pounds, he's doing jumps and spins and planches. Madman. In a moment of brilliance, accuses the bulldog. During They show the replay of, of the bulldog swinging around and hooking the warlord into the crucifix uh, pinning combo. And Heenan accuses the bulldog of holding the tights. I believe he's got a tight hold. Despite both hands being completely visible. Right. Totally enwrapped in Warlord's arms. Right. Nowhere near the tights. So funny. We go so back to Savage. Oh. You know, see, it doesn't stop. Right. It doesn't stop. When you think it stops, it's threaded it can... the whole broadcast. <sighs> Snake degraded her. It's the worst day of his life. Savage goes berserk Nuts. talking about how robert's touching elizabeth was savage's fault <sighs> savage blames himself never for robert's himself. touching elizabeth never forgive himself it's my fault he hits himself opens a small cut mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. his scar tissue he just smacks himself it's my fault it's my fault and he ends up on the floor on the you know writhing on the floor for a moment and, he's and he's body, so, body language is out of control. His movement is so manic yes. that that they do a very interesting thing from a technical standpoint at this period in, in WWE television. They cut to a handheld camera. Mm. And so it looks almost like what we watch today. Uh, um, where they they because the handheld camera has that freedom. They move go around and move they around. They pan. Them. And um, it was, again, it's that element of, wait a minute, this isn't, it's, it's like, uh, this is not part of the entertainment part portion of our program. You felt this like is, at any moment he might just attack Sean Mooney. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, exactly. just the nearest person, get away from this man. So he is just self-loathing to the max. And, uh, you know, Heenan predicts this is going to be a bigger war than Desert Storm. <laughs> Did he say that? He says that, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. When they cut back to the arena, and I think he's right. So that's where things stand there. Um, up next is a tag team encounter Woo! as uh, Teddy Biasi and the Repo Man with Sherry in their corner takes on El Matador, Tito Santana, and Virgil. By the way, the this... Davy Boy Smith Warlord match, 12 minutes, 45 seconds. Thank you. Um, this very exciting. Very exciting. This is our first show featuring the Repo Man. Indeed, yeah. Um Gee. Gee, you know, Repo Man has an eagle tattoo on his left arm that looks exactly like one on a former tag team champion. Uh, Who could that be? That's a good point. Smash? Maybe. Demolition Smash. Mm -hmm. Why, 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 why was the demolition disbanded? 
Yeah, great question. I think Bill Ide skipped town. I well, think... I know, but they had Crush. Yeah, they did. Well, they something happened with him. He had didn't he have a hiatus before he came back? I mean, he was gone. I mean, Demolition. Something. The last happened. the last time we see Demolition on pay per view is WrestleMania seven, mm-hmm. and then the next thing we know in the fall, uh, Smash becomes the Repo Man and. Uh, Crush gets repackaged and brought back in the spring, summer of 92. Yeah. Yep, yep. He, he was. as Kona Crush. Yeah, they just disbanded Demolition. That was just their call. Such a sad... I mean, Demolition. <sighs> Easily... What a team. It's my... They were my favorite tag team. They jumped off the screen is what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they were my favorite tag team, so it was sad to see them... Go away. Heenan says, and, uh, who, who cares if Virgil gets beat up? The man's a thief. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, so uh, <sighs> talking about Repo Man, Heenan says um, that Repo Man took a home away from a couple after they were unemployed for six months. <laughs> now, there's no punchline there. He just says that. Just says it's like, that. that's actually kind of sad. Like, <laughs> it is kind of sad. It's not a punchline. He just took home away from people who really, really need it. Uh, <laughs> Heenan was a little, uh, Heenan off. was a little off tonight. He was. He really was. He wasn't, it he wasn't. Lost his uh, thought a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like a lot of people maybe didn't know what they were doing this evening. <laughs> they just didn't know how to... He might have been... Hey, he might have been burnt out from Survivor Series. I don't know. He might Amen. have been just Look, done. Um, so, flying all over the place in this match. God damn I know. It. I mentioned that. But before we get there, before oh, yeah. we get there, can I just mention this? At this point, we have the El Matador, Tito Santana. Ariba. Ariba. In... The last time we saw, not the last time, but but before Survivor Series, the last time we'd seen him was at WrestleMania 7 when he lost to the Mountie, and he was just regular old Tito Santana. So I want to know, what was the real story behind the Matador gimmick? Now, I, I remember the kayfabe reason. I don't know if you're ready for this or not. No, I'm not ready. Tell me. He goes back to Mexico right. and tra- rediscovers his roots? Yeah, pretty much. According to the WWE magazine. Oh, yes. Tito went back to Mexico to rediscover himself or something like that, to lick his wounds and get stronger upon his return. And I think it said something like he trained with the matadors to help better understand his enemies or some, you know, horseshit like that. And taught social studies but, in New Jersey. <laughs> but, do you know, I, I'm curious, I'm actually asking you, I have no idea what the real story behind the change was, because it seemed like he was pretty successful as plain old Tito Santana with his, his more interesting music. Before. I can't give you an exact. Amen. I think I don't know the exact reason, but I'll tell you what. That's right, son. Go ahead. That was another Hasbro I had, so I know that song. Oh, I had the Tito. Um, I probably I don't know the exact reason, but I bet it's the same reason that Ricky Steamboat had to become the dragon around the same period of time. Oh yeah, well that's probably true. Very strange compunct. They, they, they had a. Instance. They also I think in that same article too, um, in the WWE magazine they talked about Rick Martel going back to Paris or something. 
to to kind of reestablish himself or something like that so because cool. he is so stupid um but because uh somewhere in the midst of 1990 1991 Martel also kind of changed his look about him and and stuff cut his hair real short and hey. this and that but anyway stop being so arrogant right <laughs> so what about Debers in this match DiBiase flying over the ropes like just DiBiase like and every bump like you know this guy was out to prove something every night mhm you know it didn't matter if his match was filler it didn't matter what a worker this match really hit me when i was watching it because it made me really bummed that he never got a run with a singles belt absolutely it's an injustice it's a great I mean it's a great you know untied loop in wrestling history he was supposed to get that belt wrestlemania 4 was supposed to be his tournament yep and i mean i i appreciated the the gimmick of the million dollar belt that was fun and all it's just here's a guy who, like Jake, he never really. I mean, yeah, he always worked hard. He never really fizzled. I mean, he certainly never hit the main event like he did in '88. But man, I, I I can't believe he never got a run with a belt for a while. It's just it's a bummer. Yeah, you know, I would agree with that. And and he just shows his colors here, just bumping all over the place for Virgil, who of course had just won the million dollar belt at the SummerSlam that year and turned face and broken off from Ted DiBiase, the emancipation of Virgil. And uh, D Debers is still in the posture of making Virgil look like a well, bucks every time. I know he totally is. And Debers, uh, uh, in storyline, had hired the Repo Man to help him repossess the belt. Ooh, good point. In the fall after yeah. that's why that's why this tag team match happened was. Um, uh, Virgil and Debs had a a rematch for the belt, and Repo Man came out and like knocked Virgil unconscious or something, and um, and helped uh, DiBiase win the win back the belt. And so Virgil went down to Mexico and brought or Jersey to the high school and brought back Tito Santana. Right. Now, a um, couple funny little things here. Uh, did you did you own the Repo Man Hasbro? Yes, I yeah. did. I think, and God forgive me if this is actually true, but I have a vague memory that I might have given Repo Man the world title. Yes. <laughs> you gave it to him or he repossessed it? <laughs> he repossessed it without a doubt. He definitely didn't earn it. Oh. Only the Undertaker earns titles. What a poor um, decision. <laughs> I know business. Business in my WWE universe certainly was in the tanker. Yeah. <laughs> during, during Will that someone take period. the book away from this guy already? You're basically <laughs> the Jim Hurd of Hasbro figures. <laughs> I'm the J M H R D yeah, of uh, that's right of the Hasbro universe. Um, this match, do you remember in WWE magazine and uh, I'm sure a bunch of people listening do as well. If I don't know if you do or not, but um, do you remember that oh, in the, in the early nineties, I don't know how, how old this actually went, but they used to do in WWE magazine, the battle of the, the Titans. Titans absolutely. Mm -hmm. Pick like a house show match and right. cover it. Like it was some massive, or yeah, they, and they would go into such detail. It was usually a like four or five page article breaking about down a match. The technique. Hmm? Yeah, they pick a, some random match, break it down, 
And, uh, you know, once they started doing monthly pay-per-views, this practice kind of went by the wayside. But this match was actually featured in, I think it was the March 1992 issue of the WWE magazine. Oh, really? This tag match? Yeah. This tag match. Oh, nice. There you go. Um, Now, we all remember that Sherry Sherry Martell uh, was never shy about um, showing cleavage. And so at one point, um, Gorilla says... You know, she... Go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll tell my story after you're done. Go One ahead. point, Gorilla says, Million Dollar Man just went bust. And he goes, you talking about Sherry? <laughs> Do you know that Sherry, in a 1993 Raw, actually was stripped down to her bra? Really? Yeah. I don't recall. Yeah. I'm sure you, you've yeah. seen it going through your shows. Yeah. The, in going through the, the Raws, I mean, this was uh, a while back now. This was probably... It was during the Luna Vachon Sherry feud, yeah. which never went anywhere because yeah. she, Sherry left pretty abruptly. Um, but literally, Luna strips her down to her bra and maybe even her panties. Wow. Like completely naked almost out there. Wow. I, I could not believe they were doing that. That but is rather. Then again, then again, it, it is uncut. It is uncensored. It's raw. And it is un. Cooked. cooked. Sorry, I missed the best one. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> one point, Gorilla looks at Repo and goes, what's he sneaking around for? The guy's laying flat on his back in the middle of the ring. <laughs> it's actually true. I think it's Virgil. He's totally incapacitated and uh, Repo's sneaking up on him like like he's trying to break into the back door. Um, at one point, at one point, uh, DiBiase has control of Virgil and Heenan suggests that Virgil quit he says (laughs) he says that nobody expects that much from virgil so he should do what he does best quit (laughs) thanks bobby i guess i guess heenan might have had virgil's ear yesterday too very well could have who knows um that that could have been a collusion um speaking of virgil repo is working on him during this match like he missed two payments on the 59 caddy (laughs) which is a great line from heenan (laughs) Tito gets a hot tag. Um, yeah. uh, Heenan calls him Mr. Guacamole Dip. <laughs> he, and he, I love he. He calls his, his the flying forum the flying jalapeno. <laughs> He's just obsessed with Mexican food. He says well, at one point. Says, well, go ahead, you do it. He says I know at one point, to... Virgil, like, come on, Virgil. Oh. If you if you pull this one out, you'll have you can dinners on El Matador. It's a plate of beans. <laughs> he also says. He, he, I, I didn't hear that one, but Santana goes for the flying the flying forearm on the flying jalapeno on Repo, but DiBiase trips him up. He didn't says he must have slipped on a tortilla. <laughs> he didn't with the with the Mexican food humor. Oh my God, this match was getting me hungry. Uh, well, I know I'm actually actually feeling it right now. I can, <laughs> I can make a run for the border. Um, so what was the Sherry gets up on the apron with her shoe off. She's going to hit yes. Virgil with it, but she basically yes. totally overshoots Virgil and hits DiBiase with the shoe. Virgil yeah. grabs her by the hair, and that's okay, right? That's okay, right. When, when, I don't mind it, this. Yeah, yeah. When Jake grabs her, she's... grabs Elizabeth, it's horrifying. When Virgil grabs Sherry, she deserves it. Well, she's a heel. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what planet do you <laughs> live on? Okay, what's wrong with Tell you? Talk to the officer who's responding to the domestic call. She's a heel, <laughs> officer. Um, so Repo hits a knee to uh, basically Virgil's kidneys while he has his hands in, on Sherry and gets the one, two, three. Kind of a weak finish. Uh, came out of- is it, uh, 
but not before at one point Virgil was able to hit the massive side Russian leg sweep. But God help him on that thing. His arms were flailing all about. His arms were flailing like, you know, one of those like blow up things in front of the T-Mobile trying to draw your attention. The big heads that like flail all over the place. He was just like, ah, on the way down. But and that, that was... was his finisher. Oh, man. 1128. Side it's over. Russian leg sweep. Who said Verge? You g- Verge, I'm telling you. Let DiBiase have the million-dollar dream, my buddy. What you need to do, and I'm telling you right now, this move will define you as a worker. Your finishing move needs to be the side Russian leg sweep. Because when I look at you, Mike Jones, I think Russian. That's right. I think you're a black Russian. Hulk Hogan with Mean Gene Okerlund. Indeed. And um, he tells you know folks that because we believe in ourselves, Jack Tunney took immediate action to get him this rematch. Uh, Gene at one point just wants to clarify for us that uh, we are in Texas and that it is Tuesday. We are in Texas. This is Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Hulk assures Hulkamaniacs that Jack Tunney's watching our back. Um, and he's been designated. Hulk says he's been designated the hitman for all my Hulkamaniacs. And as far as all my little holsters go, I'm Hulk Hogan, brother, the designated hitman for all my Hulkamaniacs. So, so basically... He's saying that all of his fans, by purchasing tickets for shows and buying his merchandise, are actually paying him to kill other wrestlers. Well, yeah. I mean, death hangs over this show. That doesn't seem very legal There is a There is a funeral and, motif on this event. And actually, th- this is probably the deeper question. How do you kill somebody that's already dead? Well, you roll them up. <laughs> what you do? I'll talk more about that here in a second. We've come to our main event. Hold on, hold on. I got one more for you. What you gonna do? Hogan, that's exactly it. Hogan says, and Undertaker, what you gonna do when Hulk Hogan buries you right here in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Undertaker, what you gonna do when Hulk Hogan buries you right here in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the yeah, yeah, yeah? What was that supposed to be? Is that like a Texas thing? Because he's on a horse. He's a cowboy. Yeah! Yeah! That makes sense. Cowboys and Undertakers. What an asshole. Not quite cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and you say cowboys and undertakers? Yes. Cowboys and Hulkamaniacs. So a very short-lived six-day title reign for The Undertaker in 1991. He was Basically brand new on the scene, it debuted at the 1990 Survivor Series and had this gimmick where, you know, everyone would punch him and he would just like stumble but would not ever be hurt. Every time he'd be slammed or take a bump onto the mat, he'd sit right up. We know the trademark Undertaker spots, but at this time, JP, you really didn't feel like you you could hurt him. I remember feeling like nervous as a kid, thinking Mm -hmm. that there's nothing Hulk Hogan can do to actually hurt this guy. He can knock him off his feet. He can momentarily stagger him, but there's nothing Hogan can do to put this guy down. I felt... He was a real threat. Yep. How do you pin a guy that can't can't get hurt? You, the guy has to be out on his back, right, to be pinned. Exactly. How can you possibly pin a guy? And they protected that, that even though they put Hogan over here to get the belt back. Yes. Um, yes. They protected that very thing. Um, so it's not much of a match, you know. It, it isn't terrible. Hulk, Hulk was having a little bit of trouble getting around at this point in time in his career. He definitely was losing a step. His, yeah. uh, particularly the clotheslines over the ropes that he hit like three or four times in this match. It's just like kind of. Couldn't muster much of a clothesline at this point in time. It seemed, yeah, yeah. What I mean, what was going on there? He he was hurting, really, and he had a gut. Yeah, 
Yeah, he just. I know he did look a little. He did look a little chubby. I mean, Vince wanted to cycle Hogan out in '86. You know, he started thinking about who's the next Hogan, even that far back. Get out of here, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. On uh, Tom McGee, um, who was a very short-lived WWF prospect who had an incredible body and incredible athleticism, and Vince was obsessed with him. He's like a bodybuilder guy. He thought he was going to be the next Hogan. He started setting things up to transition out of Hogan. Hogan had a receding hairline by '86. You know what I mean? It's like there were signs that you know. He had a receding hairline in 1983, for God's sake. That you meant to that. Were they um, going to be the the McGee McGeeniacs, McGee maniacs? I don't know if McGee would, would have be? been involved with Hulk, but um, it was a flop because the guy couldn't work. Brett. Uh, as a jobber, worked a TV match with him and made everybody think he was a great worker because that's how good Brett was at making people look wow. good. And then he had a match without Brett and uh, never really was heard from again in the WWF, worked Japan a bit. Um, so even back then, people were saying, like, Vince is angling for Hulk's replacement and Warrior was supposed to be it. And so this is coming off trying for Warrior and it failing, you know, so they go back to Hogan. Mm-hmm. And so there was like kind of a, you know, there's a reason because Hogan just sure. was losing his sure. step. Um, and you can see that a bit in this oh, match. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's I remember true. when Taker came because he kind of he kind of picks it back up again. Yeah. I mean, but I guess that's after some 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 time to lick those wounds and kind of yeah heal Oop. injuries or whatever. Um, uh, interesting uh, uh, thing that Undertaker on his entry yes. does not does not wear the belt. Just gonna he say that it's it. like you're reading yep. my mind. I never mm-hmm. forgot that as long mm-hmm. as I was. Watching wrestling as a kid, that the, that visual of the Undertaker basically dragging the belt on the floor. Yeah, as was he, he the first? Ring. Was he the first person yes. to not wear the belt? Yeah. As far well, as maybe, 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 maybe. I bet. I mean, well, he didn't really en- enter with the belt ever, but Andre probably couldn't have worn the belt. No, I'm, I'm thinking when I say wore, I mean wrapped around the waist or over the shoulder. I see. I Taker see. dragged it like you would like, yeah. get a dog on a leash. I mean, it was like it was it was similar in a way to how Stone Cold does. It, right. It would you become know. quite commonplace later, but I never forgot that visual. And it's funny because I used to be like um, – when I first got a computer and the internet, I was obsessed with collecting images of wrestlers over the years. <laughs> and I was obsessed with collecting not just images of wrestlers but images of them with the belts that they held over the years. Sure, sure. And before Taker won the belt back in 1997 at WrestleMania 13, I'm thinking 96, I was like, I remember Undertaker was WWF champ when I was a kid. I need a picture of him with the belt. But there was no picture of him with the belt in a proper way. There was just this like – wide shot of him walking down the aisle at Tuesday in Texas, dragging it around. Isn't it amazing that here, within a year, Undertaker becomes one of your top babyface yeah. wrestlers. Um, very popular. Very popular. But yet, he never gets the belt again for another six years. Yeah, he, they just cycle him off as like this different part of the show where he's like, he's involved in these supernatural storylines. And, yeah. and the supernatural stuff never coexists with the more serious WWF title picture stuff until and 97. I never got it until he beat Sid at WrestleMania 13. Dumps him on his head. And that Pretty wasn't the plan hard. either. I know. Yeah, they went to that when they couldn't put together the Sean Brett rematch. But uh, mm. so anyway. Um, we'll get there someday. Hogan hits the ring. Oh, I know. Uh, and Paul Bearer actually joins in with the Undertaker on stomping Hogan right out of the gate. Hogan gets up, uh, meeting of the minds as Taker and Bearer get the double noggin knocker. Hogan, Hogan doesn't even even uh, wait to the ring to get his shirt off. No, nope. he rips yes. it as he's walking. It's actually kind of a neat image to see him. I got the sense that they were rushing that that they were coming up against pay per view time in this match. I really they kind of were actually. I mean, we were we were kind of hitting it close. I think with 
by the time we the 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 entrances were done, we probably had about ten minutes left. Yeah, actually, now that I'm saying this, I remember they said it was exactly ninety minutes, which was the exact time that they had on the pay-per-view window, right. um, per the lower budget and the scale-down thing. Interesting. So, um, and you have to pay for more satellite time if you T- over your window. Now, now Hogan gets gets to the ring, and Taker and Paul Bearer attack to start. I repeat. Yep. The Undertaker. And Paul Bearer is throwing boots. Attack. He is kicking Hogan. I have never seen him use any kind of brutality except with the urn. Right? Absolutely. Jack, Jack Tunney's position at ringside for this match. Um, Hogan hits Eventually. a horrible inverted, uh, no, regular atomic drop and take a rises <laughs> from yeah. that after yeah. just basically bumping onto his back on an atomic drop. Um, what was the, uh, we, 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 you, you, you touched briefly upon the, upon that Hogan, that Undertaker's title reign was so short. Yeah. Was literally the point of the short title reign just to sell tickets and buys for this show? Yes. Mm. Yeah, it was an idea to pop a, a short-term rematch that, you know, if people bought the Survivor Series, they would feel compelled to buy this show as well because it there was... Depending on, well, depending on where you lived, because... Uh, you might have been forced to buy both shows. <laughs> Apparently. Yes, there is evidence that that was that's the case like, in some markets. That's like pay-per-view rape. Well, I mean, why would you not sell somebody a pay-per-view if you're a company? I know, right? I know. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I only want to buy one show. Well, you either get both or none. Right. And how would you, you know beforehand that there would be a second show? I, I don't know. <laughs> you either get all of it or we're not going to take any of your money. There was a clothesline over the top rope at one point, and Undertaker, even then, was doing the spot where he goes 360 over the ropes and lands on his feet, and it freaks people out that you can't even clothesline this guy to the floor and hurt him. Um, uh, Taker, was, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Taker was in the mode back then where he would do long extended choke holds where he just oh, grab guys with his gray leather glove and just go with his eyes rolled up in the back of his head. Excruciating. Although at one point Hogan actually lifts him up, walks across the ring, and delivers a spine buster in the opposite corner, which was kind of <laughs> kind of elaborate but kind of cool. Kind of made um, Heenan, Heenan wants to remind us that, and he says, "But remember, the real world's champion." Mm. Oh, I gotta, hold on, I got I accidentally wrote Rich, Rich Flair, Rich, Rich Flair, Rich Flair. Anyway, Heenan says, "But remember." The real world's champion, Ric Flair, is still the real world's champion. Yeah, he does. He, he repeats it. But remember, the real world's champion, Ric Flair, is still the real world's champion. Oh, make no like, mistake. Oh my God. By this point, Flair Hogan, dead. Dead. I know. As a story, as like a, a special thing, it was totally mucked up by Undertaker and, you know, like, okay, wait, Undertaker beat Hogan? So... I guess Flair chasing isn't the storyline. Like, it just, it was such a detour from the Hogan Flair thing that looked to have so much promise in 91. Um, Such a bummer. So disappointing in retrospect. I mean, it still comes up to this day. I mean, and especially watching the very, like I mentioned last week during Halloween Havoc, it was after this match, I guess, where Hogan and Flair uh, fought at Madison Square Garden and had. A good match. I mean, yeah. it was weird. It was different. It was not your typical. And this isn't even your typical Hogan match. Even in you take out the, um, you know, the bumps and bruises that yep. Hogan is going through. It's still not a typical Hogan match. It I was just reading that was considered the best match of the series that they had in '91. That MSG match. Really? Yeah. It was good. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's 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 fascinating to watch it. Um, and it's a shame because they just. I mean, I know. 
I know there were other things going on and there were other promises made to other wrestlers, but God damn, how do you blow that? Yeah, no, no crap. You blow that because at the end of the day, you don't want to accept that someone can come into the WWF and be a main eventer without having been built on WWF television for a day. You can't. Yeah, right. You can't accept that a guy comes right in and is that guy because you didn't have anything to do with it. So there's got to be a problem. Um, anyway, uh, Hulk, Hulk gets posted as Undertaker takes over. Uh, Heenan begins talking about the smell of flowers, the funeral flowers. The smell of death is in the air. <laughs> Hulk rallies. There's a huge mishap on an Irish whip where Undertaker's there. supposed to hit the ropes on a flying clothesline. And, like, you know, sometimes you duck your yeah. head low when you hit the ropes and your head snaps under the bottom rope. Oh, it's ugly. Yeah. He must have uh, slipped on that tortilla. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that damn thing out of the ring. They go on and on. There'd be a wet your... spot in the mat. <laughs> that was weird. About all the sweaty bodies in the ring okay. causing a wet spot. That was okay. odd. Yep. Taker, Taker grabs Hogan's jaw. Yeah. All right. He grabs the jaw, not a chokehold, literally a, 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 anyway, the point of this is that Monsoon calls it a claw to the face. Thanks, Gorilla. Thanks, thanks really dig deep into the bag on that one. Um, there's also a close-up of Undertaker's face, uh, uh, and Heenan goes, look at that, Monsoon. How would you like that looking in your window at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> look at that, Monsoon. How would you like that working in your window about three o'clock in the morning? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'd hate it. Oh I mean, that God. would be utterly terrifying. Thanks, I would not enjoy it. In the least. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that mishap on the ropes, Taker does get up for his flying clothesline. Uh-huh. Um, Death does not take a holiday. He's going to be hard to beat, Monsoon. Heenan says. <laughs> Taker goes for new school. Yeah, climbing the ropes, walking the ropes. Hogan pulls him off. Hogan, yep. Sends him flying, and then he, like flare, and then he, and then he hulks up. Doesn't doesn't uh, interesting that again? You know, flare. There's up. all this. There's all this talk about. You know, you get all this talk about Hogan not putting people over, or you know, um, or kind of uh, uh, blowing people's finishers and stuff yeah. like that. But the interesting thing is here at Rus- at Survivor Series '91, Hogan uh, took the, the the tombstone and didn't kick out. Here, Hogan doesn't even get Tombstone before he hulks up. He doesn't... Yeah, he just starts hulking up. Right. He doesn't hurt The Undertaker's finisher by hulking up. It's interesting. I mean, despite Hogan being the arrogant liar that we all have come, you know, are accustomed to, he, at this time, despite having that formula that we're all aware of, he wasn't doing that formula in this match, nor with that match with Ric Flair. He was changing things up and, in a way, honest to God, protecting other guys. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, he – the thing about Hogan is he always knew when – he knew how to read the tea leaves and say, all right, now's my time to job. Now's my time – and it, yeah. it was self-interest. It, now's my time to job because I'm going to get sure. the belt back. Now's my time to job because circumstances are such that I'm going to look great in front of sure. Turner executives losing to Goldberg in 1998 at the Georgia Dome. You know? <laughs> Um, so that, that's that. So, uh, that's, what's going on. Ric Flair's out. Um, yeah. Hogan Hulk. Tony wants him gone. Tony wants him gone out of ringside. There's this big rush feel to the, to the match at this yeah. point. Yep. So it seems yep. like a million things happen in a minute. Um, so chair Hogan, to Flair. Hogan yeah, takes Hogan, a chair to the back of Ric Flair. Hogan whacks Flair with a chair and Flair falls onto Jack Tunney. Tunney bumps. Knocks Tunney out. 
Now, was that chair fair to Flair? No, it was fair. Yeah, it was. It was fair to the spine. <laughs> Bang. Nails him. Tunny bumps. Cameraman bumps. For some reason, the cameraman had hit the deck. And we get this. I like, bumped. Yeah. We get this awkward <laughs> angled shot by the cameraman who's just on the floor for some reason. Um, <laughs> Flair then it, grabs the chair. And, gets up uh, on the apron with the chair. Yep, That's right. Yep. And uh, 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 waiting for Undertaker to toss Hogan into the chair, but Hogan reverses it and instead throws Taker into the chair and then clothesline flare, clotheslines Flair to the floor. Yes. Lots big of boot. words in there. Yep. But Taker sits up after the big boot. My he God. Can't, he can't get the leg drop because uh, Taker delivers a throat thrust. Yes. He thrusts the throat after sitting up. Yep. Bearer gets the urn up. Um, Undertaker brings Hogan over to Paul mm-hmm. Bearer, who's on the apron with the mm-hmm. urn. Bearer swings the urn. Hogan moves. Taker eats the urn. And then Hogan. Again. Again, foreshadowing 1996. Amen. Amen. And then Taker, uh, Hogan gets the bright idea to capitalize by grabbing the urn. Hold and... on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hogan, your American hero. Yes, I know. The guy who preaches that kids be good and follow the rules. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in Hulk Hogan. Believe in whatever. Believe in... The power of a handful of some person's ashes. Believe believe in the power of the Undertaker's parents' ashes. <laughs> he gets a handful of ashes gets, out of the urn. He gets, he gets a handful of ash, and he throws it. Imagine <laughs> this, okay? Think of this from a normal perspective. You're the Undertaker, and some guy looking like a buffoon in yellow and red with a handlebar mustache that you could like throw like a horseshoe. <laughs> he, he picks up the last remains of your parents. The lapsed remains. <laughs> Fuck you for that. <laughs> he grabs the lapsed, <laughs> lapsed remains of your parents and he throws your parents into your face. <laughs> he throws your parents into your face. That's what happened there. No, wait. Was it established at the time on television that his parents' ashes were in there? No, it was later. Later. Oh. <laughs> they alluded to it. That well, was... <laughs> it can't be his parents' ashes after this because Hogan spills them all over the place. It, you... Are we to believe that he just recollected the same ashes? And what's always what's always so funny to me about the urn is that everyone always speculates on what is in the urn, <laughs> but we've seen it about a dozen times. It's what's in every other urn: ashes, <laughs> ashes, or if you're in 1994, green smoke. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think? But, the keys to a Buick Lesabre are in there. Like, what do you think is in an urn? Everybody wants to know what's in the urn. A go but, but but. If, <laughs> It's an Undertaker Hasbro action figure. Is yeah, what it is. But, 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 but fruit juice. we've seen the the innards of the urn on a number of occasions. But yet after this, there's still speculation. What's in the urn? What do you think is in the urn giving the Undertaker all that power? You ask Undertaker's face what's in the urn. Because it's all over there. It's like salt and pepper in his eyes. It is. I know. I wonder what it was. Oh I wonder what God. they used. I think they used Probably actual like char- charcoal dust. I bet they used like charcoal dust, something yeah. like that, because it didn't look. I mean, because ashes would be gray. 
We talked about protecting Undertaker. I mean, here it is. I mean, he didn't drop the leg. He didn't pin him clean. He didn't knock him out. He had to throw ashes in Undertaker's face and then roll him up with a schoolboy. The Undertaker's parents' ashes in his face. And get the cheap one, two, three on the roll up. Yep. I mean, and his fourth WWE title. Yes, Hogan's your champ, and uh, and <clears throat> then take then 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 showing showing the true sportsmanship of Hulk Hogan. Hogan waffles the Undertaker with the belt and knocks him out of the ring. Right to clear house so we can pose. And right. Undertaker, they protected him on this too. He wants to get back in the ring. Paul Bear is yep. grabbing him by the hair, yep. keeping his dead yep. animal at bay. And he says, "Just look at the urn without your parents' ashes in them." Right, right. Look at the urn, not the fact that what. The, the sacred thing that's in there is all over the mat. It's, Don't look at that. And, and all over your face. 13 minutes, 9 seconds, Hulk Hogan wins his fourth WWF championship. The Undertaker <laughs> loses for the first yeah. time. Yes. He didn't mention that earlier uh, in the match that The Undertaker was undefeated. Uh, Heenan also, because uh, uh, Heenan and Gorilla were in the, the, the back seating, right? They weren't ringside. They were... Right. They were kind of perched up near the entrance where right. it was... Yeah, so it's great, and this is this is what I love about Heenan. Heenan yells to Jack Tunney, who's at ringside, who's at ringside at this point, and he yells that Hogan cheated, saying, "You got to restart the match, Tunney. Tunney, you got to restart the match." <laughs> it was amazing. Why exactly? Oh, because he used the ashes. Because yeah. he cheated, he used the ashes. I, I remember being that- scared that Hogan had to resort to that. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling like his days mm-hmm. were numbered because when yeah. Taker got a fair and square shot at him again and Hogan, you know, and he was hip to Hogan using the ashes, he, he couldn't, I felt, even though Hogan yeah. won, that yeah. he couldn't beat Undertaker after this. Yes. And you know what? And you know what? Hogan's days were numbered. He only had a few days with that belt. Right. And a little over a decade and later, yes. Undertaker would strap him to a motorcycle and drive him around backstage in Virginia on Raw. <laughs> oh, my God. Drag him around. Ah. Uh awful so uh, um, um we go off the air with gorilla letting us know gorilla says that do it go ahead the please. greatest athlete in the world <laughs> has prevailed here in san antonio <sighs> so better than michael jordan right better than joe montana mm-hmm. better than mickey mantle yeah. better than all the olympic athletes better than art donovan <laughs> well yeah that's not much nfl hall of famer okay Sure. So Hulk the greatest Hogan. athlete in the world regains his title <laughs> with a handful of ashes. What I what I what I used to love is um he he would uh Monsoon would also yeah with a handful of ashes. He he beat him he beat the Undertaker so athletically. Yeah, yeah. I get, um, Michael I remember Michael Phelps grabbing like ashes and using them to win. <laughs> I, I remember that. That's how he won his eighth gold medal that in, in two thousand and eight. Holler. He threw ashes in the guy. Ah, ah, I can't see. I'm playing in the tub. Uh, the tub. Jesus. The pool. The tub. Is Michael Phelps swimming the tub that's now? Why, that's why he's so fast. He just oh goes from one end of the tub to the other. I could beat Michael Phelps in the tub. All right, let's stop this. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, but he used to always say, he, he changed it today. He used to say that Hogan was the greatest professional athlete in the world today oh, my God. so there were amateur athletes in earlier of this year that were better than hogan right but not now don't go bringing up you know de la hoya whoever <laughs> was on the u.s boxing team at the time don't go bringing them up but now he's the greatest overall athlete in the world and- the um just to kind of close on a fun note sure. uh the show comes to a close 
The aftermath, of course, would see the WWE title vacated the following weekend um, on WWE programming and was up for grabs at the upcoming Royal Rumble. I wish they would do that again. Put the belt on the line at the Rumble? Put the, yeah. Hell yeah. I agree. What a, it was so great, and they only did it once, and I can't believe that in, in 22 years they've never done it again. I know. It's true. It's a very tempting thing. But, you know, now they're setting the pattern where Rumble winner goes for the belt at Mania. And that wasn't necessarily the pattern back then. You know, it worked out that way, but no, it wasn't explicit. Yeah. You know, right. it wasn't like the Royal Rumble will headline WrestleMania. That It worked right. out that way because they always put over the big guy at WrestleMania at, at the Rumble anyway. But, yeah. Right. So maybe one day. Um, mm-hmm. but that is... And God damn it, one day will we ever get to the 92 Rumble. What a show. Oh, I cannot what wait. A show. So much to come. So much fun in the grab bag here on the Lapsed Fan mm-hmm. at WrestleZone.com. We do hope you enjoyed our dive into the rather quixotic, strange curiosity that was this Tuesday in Texas, 1991, from the World Wrestling Federation. And Hulk Hogan becomes champion for the fourth time, handing The Undertaker his first WWF loss in the main event. Such Always- a great, great show. Great show. Always a pleasure, boss. Holler, holler. Trust me. This is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of WrestleZone.com. Its content is intended for private use only. Oh, my goodness. Bring her some oxygen. That bimbo's going to faint. <laughs>